Welcome to episode 114 of the Grip Strip Podcast, the old school, new school edition of the Grip Strip Podcast. My name is Philip Matthew, and I'm here with my co-host, Joshua Fine. What's going on, man? I'm doing great, Phil. We had a really great weekend of racing, and we had IndyCar racing in the wet on the Indianapolis road course, and Colton Herta may have the save of the decade uh, in IndyCar and maybe in all motorsports there. And then, of course, you know, we saw Kurt Busch win in the number 45 car, bringing the number 45 back to victory lane. So a uh, good result for 23-11 and the passion and everything from Danny Hamlin. So a lot of great racing that we saw there. And plus finished top five in the iRacing Indy 500 too. So you know we'll talk about that later on tonight. Yeah, that's one big thing there that we'll talk about in the sim segment is Josh's uh, great finish in uh, his uh, fixed uh, Indy 500. So a lot of great preparation and time put in there uh, paid off, obviously, when you consider how a lot of those races seem to go, um, where you have carnage early and then you have to make it through. Well, Josh was able to do that. So he'll discuss that. I'll see if I can get in a little bit of discussion of bowling because it's last week of the league here for the, um, what's it called, for New Brunswick Mixed. We have a chance at fourth. We definitely can finish fourth. Uh, might move back, but uh, in fact, there's a few hundred dollars in, in my pocket. Be nice. Uh, we have state tournament as well this weekend, so first time I'm really going to be bowling on conditions like you see on the PBA Tour, essentially, instead of a house shot. Um, as Kyle Troop went and won another WWE championship belt for a second playoff win yesterday. Um, so we'll, uh, see how that goes. Might get a little bit of discussion in on that, but, uh, Josh said it, you know, the old and old school, new school, the old school is Kurt Busch being around for how many years he's been and wins in another manufacturer wins in a Jordan car with like the air Jordan, paint schemes you just kind of felt like it was going to happen that way and i mean a toyota was going to win yesterday more than likely or a hendrick car um or i mean some chevy i think a chevy or a a toyota was going to win uh, yesterday and that's how it ended up Uh, there was some argy bargy that went on with tires from bad year people making excuses for that but it's bad year um bubba wallace um over here you could see that so if people want to get offended get offended um his pit crew comes through yet again showing that they couldn't even work at a mcdonald's um or doordash or any place for that matter i don't know how they have jobs um eric jones and the frozen lug tyler reddick and elliot amongst others had tire issues uh we'll get into the trucks as well where zane smith uh, wins another race and basically had no no issue (laughs) it was uh it's something if he can dominate like that and he basically was saying uh we'll get into it more but he was saying that if he hadn't had issues at vegas it would have been the same there which is pretty scary um you didn't really see this pace last year with todd gillen but now zane smith's in this truck and i mean granted i think the field is a little bit weaker but this is pretty dominant uh, something we'll look at with the guys that really could uh, stand out and possibly win this championship. Uh, Josh mentioned, of course, Herta. He's the new school. Uh, lots of rumors about where he's going to be and what he's going to be doing. Uh, 
going full opposite lock and somehow or another not wiping his car out, um, being able to drive on slicks in, in the wet. Uh, a lot of the things, it's why people talk about him as the next big thing in, in motor, one of the next big things in motorsports, and he proved it on Saturday in a wet, dry race. Uh, Will Power doing old school he goes and wins yet another pole. It must be like his 800th pole and uh, gets uh, the points lead because a lot of the guys that were up in the points struggled. And um, so, I mean, it was an interesting uh, finishing order there. We'll go into the roundup. It'll have IMSA at Mid-Ohio, MotoGP, Moto2 at Lamar, Cameron Bobier got very close, but unfortunately missed out on that maiden podium in Moto2, Formula E at a doubleheader at Berlin. This week, we'll see supercars at Winton in the Shane Van Gisbergen uh, benefit. Um, and also uh, news that Walkinshaw and Dreddy United have moved to Ford for starting next year, which is interesting considering that team, the origins of that team was the Holden Racing Team. Uh, so them going and flipping to Ford is pretty interesting, but all three entities in that ownership group have connections to Ford in some way, shape, or form. Uh, World Superbikes at Estoril this coming weekend, and then F2, F3, and W Series all racing at Barcelona, which will lead into the Spanish Grand Prix preview, uh, talking about you know the Verstappen versus Leclerc battle, uh, Leclerc coming off of crashing uh, a legendary Ferrari at Monaco, um, brake failure, but um, crashing a legendary Ferrari nonetheless. Um, can he go and turn the tide, bring it back towards him in terms of momentum, or will Max Verstappen continue this trend? Can Carlos Sainz at home with the pressure that has been on him and some of his performances recently, can he come out and win not only a first pole, but a first race win in formula one um, and then you have mercedes of course what can they do in regards to updates we'll talk about indianapolis 500 practice and qualifying since that'll be taking place this week uh, starting on tuesday with practice and then qualifying will take place this weekend there's only 33 cars but you know there's intrigue within that 33 cars um, plenty of great stories um, who can make the fast 12 since they're going to make them run multiple times, all this crap, and then who's going to be on the last row. Get into the all-star race and the farcical format that they have for that. Um, who's in the race? Who has to make it through the open? Uh, we'll get into who can advance either by winning a stage or getting a fan vote. Um, they posted that on J-Ski already about some of the people that have a chance at the fan vote. And then we'll make picks on that. Josh, of course, will talk about uh, the Indy 500, iRacing Indy 500, and we'll see where we're at time-wise, if I can get some bowling talk in there. But worst case, I'll talk about it next week on episode 115, where um, we'll probably get a guest or two on because it'll be the precursor to the greatest, or yeah, the greatest day in motorsports, so... We'll probably look at that for next week. But let's start with uh, the Advent Health 400, Josh. Uh, Kurt Busch, I mean, it's funny. Everyone jokes around about a Kurt Busch at least once a year, comes out of nowhere and uh, has a great day and wins a race. He seems to do that. Um, he's done that for many years. And But this one was different. 
I think he had the pace all weekend. His crew, which has generally been average, was really good on pit road. Um, his car was just bad fast. Uh, maybe it was because it looks like an Air Jordan. Maybe it was, <laughs> who knows what it was, but Kurtbush has been motivated. That team has been fast a lot of times this year and just hasn't had the finishes to show for it. Um and, I mean, it was a Toyota benefit yesterday. It is a track where Toyota has generally done well at over recent years. But this race was definitely by uh, one of the biggest Toyota benefits we've seen in a long time. Uh, when you look at the people who led laps, I mean, you had the second, the first and second most laps led were Toyotas. I mean, Christopher Bell qualified on pole. He's second most laps led. Kurt Busch led the most laps with 116. Kyle um, celebrating the birth of his daughter, trying to win, uh, finished third, had to go to the back, came back, won one stage. Kurt won the other stage. You had uh, other Toyotas up there. Uh, Every Toyota finished in the top 10. So, I mean, that was – and the Hendrick cars were up there. Kyle Larson had a chance to win, but uh, ran into the wall trying to defend he talked about uh you know like they were his crew chief or spotter or somebody said oh he ran him into the wall but larson came on the radio and said no he didn't i just ended up screwing up which is you know uh very uh honorable uh considering what's going on in the sport in a lot of ways that he's willing to go and be honest and you know kind of own that deal um but i guess it's continuing a trend josh where We've been on this like Toyota or Hendrick car kind of winning, and we continue that. Um, but this was pretty dominant by Toyota. It's probably one of the best performances I think as an org as an overall organization. Six cars in the top ten uh, is pretty pretty crazy uh, for one manufacturer. I mean, you'd think that can happen with Chevy because of just the sheer numbers, but. Toyota only really only has six cars and they all are, you know, Joe Gibbs, whatever, however affiliated, and they all have the same engine deal with TRD, but to go and hit a setup and hit the track, like, and some of these teams had issues, had to come from the back. Hamlin had to come from the back. We'll get into another drive. His, one of his, his other driver, this was, this was just like a clinic and it's, it's a bad news. I mean, you could hear it in Larson's, voice you could see it in his face the way that he was thinking about what had happened there and he was the only Hendrick car that was up there mainly because he was the only one that didn't have tire problems um but he was this it was like this could be a precursor of things to come uh as the rest of the season goes on especially on cookie cutter tracks uh what were your um takeaways from this weekend's race there josh yeah of course i mean you know with kurt bush winning it's a big milestone for uh 2311 you know they already won last year with uh bubba wallace but you know that was under under caution and yeah he raced to get the win but you know this one was down outright race for the win against uh the series champion and kyle larson and uh it was a pretty good battle throughout the second stage and beyond you know with Kyle Larson and Kurt Busch going after it uh at multiple times you know during the race and you saw Kyle Busch or uh, in it too uh Kyle Larson and Kurt Busch were going at it with about you know 60 laps to go and uh Kyle Larson looked like he put the slide job in middle of a turn in one and two with uh 
with Kurt Busch and almost spun out there. So that was a you know pretty interesting uh, deal there. Um, that was the second best save of the weekend. Oh yeah, almost just as impressive as the Colton Hurtis save, but. Uh, he, you know, I think he had the wall uh, to help him there, but it was still pretty impressive. And then, of course, later on, you know, they were battling on the front stretch and uh, Kyle Larson and Kurt Busch uh, side drafting throughout the track. Um, something that, you know, Kyle Larson has been known to do side draft uh, for the lead or for position and uh, that we've seen him do in the past. And then nine laps to go, Kurt Busch is able to finally take the lead and Kyle Larson just used up. Uh, too much of his car and got into the wall and he actually got into the wall a little bit earlier too um, a couple laps before that but uh, still managed to keep it going there but uh, with you know the nine laps to go he got in the wall pretty hard and uh, pretty much you know that was that was it and then it was Kurt Busch's uh, race there but uh, Kurt Busch wins in the Michael Jordan car with the uh, Air Jordan uh, brand on there you know with a uh, design of one of the shoes uh it's coming out for the jordan brand so uh good exposure there um and then of course you see denny hamlin and kurt bush's passion there as they're you know celebrating as team owner and driver and you saw kurt bush uh saying you know we did this we did this uh with uh denny hamlin so uh you get to see uh, the happiness out of them and all the hard work and you know of course uh denny hamlin you know expressing the joy i guess of the win and uh being able to um, get something out of it. And, you know, they haven't had the best luck. Like you said, Kurt Busch has had a lot of crashes and there's been, you know, a lot of uh, bigger mistakes with uh, Bubba Wallace and, and uh, everything, and even some with Kurt Busch as well. So um, the fact that, you know, both of their cars did pretty well, Bubba had another bigger mistake like you talk about, but they were still able to uh, recover for a top 10 finish there at least. So uh, great, you know, overall day for both 2311 and uh, JGR, both all, all of those Toyotas. And you mentioned um, like Toyota finishing all in the top 10 and the dominance of that. And yeah, it was pretty dominating, of course. And you have to mention, uh, you know, Martin Truex and uh, Christopher Bell both were up there all day too. So, and Bell led 37 laps there. So uh, in this race, so, you know, it was pretty dominant day uh, for Toyota, but I mean, it's kind of like, you know, back into the old days, like when it was Hendrick versus Roush and you had either Hendrick cars, you know, all in the top 10 or Roush cars all in the top 10. And there's, I mean, I remember one race where I think all the Roush cars finished in the top five at one point when they were having five Roush cars back then, you know, before it was RFK or even RFR. So, um, shows the dominance when a, a manufacturer, uh, is able to finish all their cars within the top 10 and, you know, have over half the top 10 be that uh, manufacturers so has some pretty uh, you know pretty dominant and it could be a, a precursor of things to come but um it's uh you know based on the trends i mean maybe on the mile and a halfs for sure but i you know i definitely think it's going to end up coming down to uh between hendrick and and um uh, jgr or 2311 here in the next couple of weeks as you know, we go to mile and a halfs like uh charlotte and then you know we've got well, Charlotte's the last mile and a half for a while until Atlanta, but um, there's a lot of good tracks in between those that you could see any of those teams win, uh, like Gateway, Sonoma, and Nashville, and then Road America, of course, where Hendrick will probably dominate, So and Sonoma too. So uh, we could see these two teams trading off victories here in the next couple of weeks, in the next couple of months uh, here in the Cup Series. Yeah, I mean, the you have the All-Star Race this weekend at a cookie-cutter the Coca-Cola 600, and then, yeah, the schedule kind of diversifies a bit. But you'll also have Nashville, which in turn is a cookie-cutter of sorts, but it is a concrete track. 
Uh, last year's race wasn't very good, but this uh, car has definitely helped in a lot of ways with the the racing on cookie cutter tracks. Uh, I think the other major storyline, I mean, you, we, we'll get into top 10 here. Kurt Busch, Kyle Larson, Kyle Busch, Danny Hamlin, Christopher Bell, your top five, Martin Truex, Ross Chastain, oh, Richard, Alex Bowman, and Daryl Wallace Jr., your top 10. The best Ford was Austin Sindrick. Gumby finished 11th. It's one of his best finishes of the year outside of his Daytona 500 victory. Uh, beats his teammate Ryan Blaney, who was 12th. Dill, bald spot Dylan, Brad Keselowski, Kevin Harvick round out your top 15. Logano was in the back, came, was going to get lapped, came all the way back to 17th. Uh, what is it? There was 23 cars on the lead lap. Briscoe was the first car lap down. Got lapped, I think, on the next last lap of the race. In a in a day that was definitely not great for Stuart Haas, uh, where three of their cars finished outside of the top 20. So it goes into the next point that I had. Uh, the Ford situation, while we talk about Chevy and, you know, with Hendrick and even to, you know, you think about Trackhouse, RCR, even to a lesser extent, colleague, depending on the track, those teams seem to be, I mean, especially Hendrick, but, you know, 20, the, the Trackhouse and RCR group, and maybe at times with Eric Jones when he isn't having frozen lug nuts, uh, they, they have a chance. A lot of these Chevy teams seem to be all right. The Toyotas, of course, now we saw what they can do when they're generally all on the, on it. On the flip side, the Ford situation is not good. Uh, you look at the back end of the points right now, there's already been 11 winners in 13 races. The, the, in regards to the points right now, Blaney is, uh, the highest person in points that hasn't gotten a win. He would essentially be, I think, what is it? One, two, three, four. He'd be about, he'd be second in points. Um, he'd be well behind his buddy Clyde, but he's second in points, but he's 12th right now in playoff standings. Um, but right now in regards to the Fords, Chase Briscoe, he's eighth. Austin Sindrick is ninth. The only two people that are behind him were Kurt Busch and Denny Hamlin. And we know that neither of them have had the best of luck. Um, then you have Harvick and Eric Almirola making up the back end of the playoff uh, field, uh, but you have a bunch of strong Chevrolets in Dylan, Austin Dillon, Tyler Reddick, Eric Jones, and Daniel Suarez. Um, all, all of them are obviously in the um, open, I think. So it tells you where Chevrolet is, is strong and Ford is well behind Stuart Haas at a track that at times has been a great track, especially for Kevin Harvick. And even Chase Briscoe, I, I know Eric Almirola has done well there. They were nowhere uh, this weekend. The Penske team looked lost at times outside of, you know, Blaney. Um, Sindrick actually had a decent run, so that's a positive sign. The Ford situation isn't great. You know, Custer sucks ass. They have two rookies that have generally been non-existent. What do we have to, I mean, it's, I mean, as a Ford guy, 
personally because Dodge isn't around, or at least not for now. Maybe they will be or somebody else will be, but there's rumors talked about about that. But we all, all, I ain't holding my breath on it. But Fords were bad last year. and I mean, really, the Penske cars were all right, but they weren't amazing last year. And then outside of that, Fords really sucked. Um, this was supposed to be kind of a, a opportunity to get things back in, you know, in some sort of like balance and Fords have been good at super speedways and at some of these races this year, but right now it doesn't look very good, Josh, for Ford, uh, speed wise, handling wise relative to Chevy and Toyota and just sheer numbers. It just doesn't, it, it, it doesn't bode well unless something comes up. I think Logano would be fine no matter what, no matter you like him or not. I think Logano's always going to be there. Blaney's going to make it. More than likely, Kevin Harvick's going to make it because of just sheer will. So, or Logano's already in, Briscoe's in, and they've been wildly inconsistent. I don't know what the hell's going on with that team. I've been on this show for our, I've had, this is 114 episodes. I think I've said for however many episodes that he's been in the damn cup series that I've wanted a different crew chief. And I'm going to keep on saying it until he gets one or something drastic changes um, for him. Cause Klossmeyer doesn't know what the hell he's doing. Swap, put Shiplet. I don't care. Put Shiplet over there and put Klossmeyer with fucking cold Custer. I, I mean, whatever I, as long as it's not Drew Blickensturfer, cause he sucks. Um, just swap the 41 and the 14, get get their pit crew. I mean, the 14 pit crew is good, not great. We'll swap pit crews. We'll swap teams. Let's let's do that. That's what I say um, because this is ridiculous. There's been races. I mean, there's been races where Briscoe should have finished top five, had a possible chance to win, and he finishes 25th. And then there's races like this weekend where they were completely out to lunch. And it it's like you just you've won a cup race. You won earlier this year, and you were one of the better cars. You were third in points, and now you're like you're in freaking boondocks. Uh, what do you look? At? I mean, I guess the question is what 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 do we take away, Josh, from Ford and what they've been doing here? And are you concerned the same way as I am? Is there light at the end of the tunnel for Ford? Um, what do we what do we think here as we get into the meat of the season? end of the summer and the dog days of summer. Well, I mean, it's kind of looking like last year once again, and it looks like you know, Penske's probably going to be fine, like you said. Uh, Ryan Blaney's looking like the best in, of of the Ford cars, and I mean, even on Sunday, he was up there running uh, towards the front, uh, but couldn't really challenge for the lead for the most part, but you know, he was up there. Um, so I think Ryan Blaney should be good to go. Um, he's in second in points and is probably going to win at some point. Um, Joey Logano has um, one win, of course. We talked about it last week and everything, and uh, he's um, obviously in. And then Austin Sindrick has been taking his lumps as a rookie uh, ever since uh, the Daytona 500 win. Uh, so he's good for the playoffs, but you know, he's been super inconsistent. And then I think the real concern is Stuart Haas and the you know, the lack of performance uh, from that team. You know, we thought that. Uh, Kevin Harvick would uh, bounce back from his winless streak, uh, which he hasn't yet. Uh, Eric Almarola is Eric Almarola, but um, still kind of solidly chugging along um, in the you know back half of the playoff standings. Um, 
and then of course you had Chase Briscoe, who we thought would you know take a, a leap this year after his rookie year, uh, and he won a race, and he's um, done good on some tracks and bad on others. So he's been wildly inconsistent. So uh, I do agree with you there that there's probably an issue with the crew chief situation and being able to have the same consistency, and um, no idea why they never brought up Richard Boswell with. Uh, Chase Briscoe from his Xfinity uh, team in 2020. That definitely should have happened. Uh, you know, definitely think, um, I mean, they've done it in the past with four teams. Um, remember Ricky Stenhouse at, at uh, Roush Racing came up with his uh, Xfinity running uh, crew chief uh, back then. You know, it seems like a, for continuity, especially with uh, drivers that were paired with good crew chiefs in that series, they come up together you know, to help build up that rookie and everything. And um, looks, I don't really know what the decision-making was there with, you know, getting him into the cup car but not bringing the same level crew chief, uh, you know, and giving the driver and the crew chief a promotion there. Uh, Cole Custer, uh, he's been out to lunch the whole year and don't expect anything to happen with him. Um, he's basically, you know, dad paying for it or, well, you know, he's the he's basically Haas is paying for the, the car and he's, you know, paying for the company with uh, the way uh, Haas is sponsoring that car and everything. So Cole Custer, probably the worst uh, forward out there. And then I think, you know, also Harrison Burton has been pretty bad too uh, in that car. And yeah, I mean, he's talk bad about, you know, Matt Benedetto and everything, but I mean, he up to this point would have probably outperformed Harrison Burton if you line up their finishes. Which is from, scary. Yeah. Last year. That's, to this that's year. scary. So, you know, if, um, whatever reason they went with Harrison Burton this year. And now uh, they haven't, you know, they haven't had anything. They've basically been out to lunch except for Daytona at the beginning of the year when Harrison, you know, flipped over sent by Brad. Yeah, exactly. And we haven't even talked about RFK either. And Chris Brewster has been all over the place. Uh, He's been kind of mired in the top 20, the back or, or just below the top 20. Like, like he's basically been his whole career in, uh, the cup series to this point. And then of course, Brad Keselowski, uh, buried in 31st in points. Uh, so, I mean, it's going to be a rebuilding project for RFK and they're running out of chances to possibly get into the playoffs. I mean, I think the last chance that they're going to have is at Daytona probably, uh, for both those cars, uh, to get one of them to get in, as they are both good at Daytona back in, uh, February. So we'll see what they can do in August there. But yeah, Ford's been, been terrible out of all three manufacturers. Um, and you have one, one that's um, somewhat good and, and probably will make it in the others that is question marks outside of the one win uh, from Stuart Haas Racing. So, yeah, it's been definitely a, a bad year for uh, Ford and everything. And uh, it's uh, kind of contrast from, you know, where they were uh, back in 2019 and uh, 2020 uh, when it seemed like Stuart Haas was class of the field in the, the Cup Series for the most part and then, even parts of last year uh, with uh, some of the four teams. And um, looks like they're going through a rough patch right now with uh, this uh, next-gen car. It seems like maybe some of their power advantage has been taken away. It seems like, you know, with uh, the uh, you know the horsepower changes to the car for this year compared to years past, uh, with 650 horsepower compared to, you know, some tracks having, you know, the uh, 550 package, which is lower than that, but still, you know, they – had gotten used to that and then also the 750 package at the uh, road courses and at the short tracks so we're going to see how Ford performs uh, once we get back to some of the the different 
you know, schedule diverse tracks. Like when we go to the new gateway track, when we go to, um, the road courses, Nashville, places like that, where it's a little bit different. We'll see if, um, things change, but yeah, I think they're probably mile and a half, uh, program short track program for Ford's probably got to be a huge concern right now yeah and the mile and a half program plays a big part I I mean the Kansas race kind of fits with the homestead deal in regards to track surface um I mean Chase Briscoe loves that track and maybe they'll pull one out of their ass uh, he has a new sponsor, actually. We'll talk about that in a little bit. And a local sponsor from his hometown of Mitchell, Indiana, no less. That'll sponsor him for four races in the playoff and this weekend during the All-Star race. But it's something to look at in regards to the general performance. I think outside of Ryan Blaney, as you talked about, Josh, there really hasn't been a whole hell of a lot to talk about for Ford. Yeah. Um, they had the top three in the 500, and two of those guys have, of course, we had Sindrick and, and Briscoe, the two bosom buddies that came from Xfinity. They both have wins. Blaney probably should have a win by this point. Um, he will, as you said, he will have a win. He'll get a win. Um, but other than that, it's not looking great. Um, Logano got got his win uh, for what for what it's worth for people. I want to hate him. The guy is what he is. It's the same way as Kyle Busch. He is what he is. He's been, it's been the same thing, you know, um, but it's not great for Ford. And I, I, I have other thoughts in regard to Stuart Haas, um, but probably save him for another time, depending on the show. So uh, Badger had their issues uh, with tires, uh, you know, the likes of, Clyde, Tyler Reddick, Suarez, um, BJ McLeod, amongst others, had issues with tires. Um, William Byron had an issue with the tire. Uh, you know, some of the, a lot of teams had issues with with tires. There, there's people. I think there's somebody. I I can go back to my Twitter feed here, and there's a bunch of people liking a post or going and justifying. Guy named Cody Jarvis, who's a sprint car driver in Oklahoma, no less. Uh, God bless that guy, whatever the hell he is. He's justifying. He's like, I mean, when you go five plus below the minimum pressure and you have aggressive suspension settings, you'll have that no matter the tire manufacturer. I'd rather have what we had today over rock hard tires you could run a whole race on. Well, here's the reality about Badger. They don't know how to make a good tire. That's the whole point of what I I said in the post that I made to um, Matthew Burroughs. I said, it's been unacceptable for decades, but NASCAR and Badger blame teams and other things for generally inferior product. Badger, until recently, was only in NASCAR for major motorsports and makes one of the worst products out there, which is the truth. Um, there was a time when Goodyear was in IndyCar, in both IndyCar series. They were in Formula One. They were in sports cars all over the world and NASCAR and NHRA. So they were everywhere. And over the span of maybe seven, eight years, it ended up that they were only in NASCAR. And let's let's add another thing. Goodyear's exclusive contract with NASCAR ends at the end of this year. And think about the fact that NASCAR is connected because of Jim France with IMSA and they have an exclusive contract with Michelin. 
and they already have plenty of experience with, you know, bigger rims and bigger tires, whatever. You know, there's there there are pieces. The rea- the likely scenario is they're just going to keep with bad year and they're going to have the same shit that we've had forever. But to me, when you're failing tires 20 laps into a run, I mean, okay, it's isolated towards Hendrick because they decided, we'll say they decided to put too much camber in, and that's why. But to me, it's like when Pirelli fails a tire, it's like World War Three. When Firestone fails a tire, it's like unbelievable. So why isn't that the same thing for bad year? I don't, I, I don't get it. I've never understood why there's a different level that people have to, a different standard in IndyCar with Firestone that's been there for decades. And Pirelli, who's held to this horrendous standard because of the way Formula One does things after the Indy debacle years ago. What what what, what are we doing here? You know, like I, I get the whole farce of, oh, it's wrestling and you need to have cautions and all this. But you're, you're going to hurt somebody is what you're going to do because you make a bad product. But Greg Stucker sits there and holds his hand up and does all this. And, oh, it's this thing and that thing. Oh, low air pressures and all. I'm like, make a goddamn de- decent tire. You, you're, you have exclusivity. If you need testing, tell these assholes, oh, we need to test. The fuck are we doing here? I mean... You have a good car. Like, to be fair, like, I haven't really watched NASCAR for the last few years because it doesn't do a lot for me. And to be fair, with the stupidity and ignorance of the a good amount of the fan base, I don't want to watch it. I mean, to be fair, I'm wearing a shirt of a guy people want to hate. Fact is, I don't get it. I mean, I understand why. It fits the narrative. It's why, I mean, and I'm going to take, I'm going to digress. I'm going to say, you know, I'm thinking of the families that have been affected by recent shootings here because of that willful ignorance and, and stupidity uh, by certain segments of our society who think it's okay um, to do what they did um, and be hateful and, and think of those things. But as we get back to tires, Josh, I mean, for years, I've said this on shows, we've talked about it on Facebook pages or whatever we've done. To me, it's unacceptable. I don't understand why it's okay or people are willing to justify it when Goodyear has brought an inferior product generally to racetracks for decades. And it's only acceptable in NASCAR. Like, oh, they blow tires. Oh, people hit the fence. Who that? Like, when did it become acceptable for people to hit the fence or blow tires just willy nilly? I don't see that crap in IMSA. I don't, we don't see that in IndyCar or Formula One generally so why is it acceptable in nascar i mean it's acceptable because they're the only manufacturer there and when you have the only manufacturer there uh that makes the tires everyone just gets used to it over time and you know we've all gotten i guess complacent with uh goodyear providing the uh the product and um i think you know especially this year with a new tire a uh, new type of tire that they had compared you know, to previous years with thinner liner and having that and not having it this year and going to a lower profile tire so, um, contributed to all the problems. Um, so especially this year with all that, you know, we're seeing a whole bunch of issues. And I mean, yeah, they should be held to a higher standard, but uh, the series isn't doing anything about it. And they've complained about it for years. Um, you know, go back to Atlanta 2008 with Tony Stewart and talking, you know, ripping Goodyear and continuing to rip Goodyear. So, uh, I mean, the, it's just 
good year continuing to provide terrible product. Um, I mean, I feel like, in my opinion, they should bring in a second manufacturer like they did with Hoosier Tires, and they're beginning to um, make a, a good dent in the field uh, with the tire wars that they had in the late 80s, the early 90s. Of course, it led to a lot of accidents and stuff, but um, I think Goodyear was just able to strong arm uh, Hoosier out of the sport, and now you know we, now we just have Goodyear tires uh, running dominant around the sport. But you know, especially with this uh, next gen car going to more sports car type platform, you know, I have to be surprised that you know we haven't seen um, teams or you know tire companies try to come in like uh, Bridgestone or Firestone or even. Pirelli or um, any of the uh, tire manufacturers that are in sports car racing right now. Um, and oh, Bridgestone and Firestone are basically the same company, uh, which are owned by Firestone, but um, or even uh, Michelin tires, something like that, uh, competing with Goodyear. And, you know, in my opinion, uh, competition is good when you have uh, multiple uh, manufacturers um, trying to uh, provide the best tire, and it would certainly pr uh, provide uh, a lot of differences uh, within the sport. I mean, you saw in the um like like i said you've seen the tire wars in the past and uh, certainly they can come back uh, once again uh, if uh, nascar decides to pull the plug or or at least invite uh, another tire manufacturer to come in and and see if they can provide something better than goodyear and it's been a long time really since we've seen multiple tire manufacturers in racing i mean you probably have to go back to formula one back to when they had the issues uh at indianapolis motor speedway in 2005 uh, with those tires and everything so um it's been been a long time since we've seen multiple tire manufacturers and you know hopefully maybe nascar can have some sense and at least invite at least another tire to come in the series and uh you know potentially compete um because i uh, think yeah with goodyear it's been um been too long and they've provided too many uh, bad products especially uh this year i think it's probably about time that they uh provided a better product and um i mean yeah it's been a new tire this year but it's a uh, something that needs to be addressed in long long time since you know they've really seriously addressed the tire issues that have plagued the sport for many years i'll i'll be on i'll i'll end up this will be the hill that it's one of the hills i'll probably die on in regards to uh tires and whatever i i just don't like goodyear tires um, I mean, it's funny that Tony, you made that point about Tony when he went and shit on him at Vegas in 08. And for whatever reason, I thought Tony would go with Hoosier tires because they're like the short track tire and they basically got a monopoly there. Um, he went with Badger, which I think is more a connection with Ray Everham and uh, some of the other people they have there than, you know, what Tony wanted. Um, maybe the Montag group wanted, got a better deal from Badger versus, you know, what they could have gotten elsewhere from Hoosier. Um, but it's interesting to me that Tony owns and runs a series or is part of running a series that has Badger tires, and he spent years shitting on Badger tires. Um, but they didn't give him a problem last year when he won the SRX, but, so I guess there's that. Um, uh, before we get into... Uh, the Indy cars and trucks actually have the we we had I mean we talked about the tires of in regards to um, Reddick and Elliott amongst the people that got screwed. Um, Eric Jones had like a frozen lug nut the same way that Valtteri Bottas did at Monaco. 
uh, I think last year, whatever, a couple of years ago, which is insane and basically ended his day, which continues the trend with Eric Jones. He runs really, really well. Uh, it seems like on a general, almost weekly basis uh, with this team and his, with, with um, Dave Ellens over there, uh, Petty GMS, that team has been really, really solid. Uh, the best that that team has really looked on a weekly basis, the 43 team in maybe, I think six, seven years. I, I, I forget when Eric Almirola almost backdoored into the playoff um, with the 43 team. That's the last time. And I think it was like six, seven years ago. Um, Baba, of course, would do well at the super speedways and the short tracks per his, you know, best where he does his best work anyway. Uh, but they weren't like a consistent point contender. So we'll see what the 43 can do. He got screwed with that. And Bubba, I mean, that that was a big talking point, you know, not only for the maggot morons, uh, LCD people, but the fact that he had to come back and forth, I think, a couple of times because his crew sucks while his teammate dominated the race baba was making time was in the top five literally said just keep me in the running man i have a chance and they fucked it up <laughs> like i saw that pit stop and i'm like how do you let the tire go like i'm like how like what are i don't know who the hell's coming here at 9 35 in the evening that's weird um but uh anyway the 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 notion of I mean, people want to say it's Bubba, whatever he's, you know, whatever excuses they want to come up with. But that's how can you be a, a professional pit crew and talk about the way that they go and do the things that they're doing? Like, it makes no sense to me. Like, they shouldn't even be allowed to go and deliver pizza. They can't even pit a car. I mean, you get paid a lot of money to pit. Pay me that kind of money. I'll go and train. I'll do all that crap. I heard they make two hundred k. I'll do that crap any day right now. $200,000 a year to go and freaking be a shitty pit crew. I'll do that. I can work for Cole Custer. That's no problem. Or I can work for Todd Gilland or whatever. Some of these crappy teams, you know, Corey LaJoy stacking pennies. I can stack pennies and run 25th every week and I can make 200 K. I'd love it. Be perfect. It'd make my life a whole lot easier. I'd be traveling all over the country, you know, you know, staying in some, you know, whatever motels, whatever, but, or fly in the day of the race in a, in a chartered plane. But how do we explain, like, I guess, I mean, I don't know. I, that, that, that was the storyline. Some of the storylines that came from the the race. I don't know if you had anything to, to give in regards to those two um, in, instances with Eric Jones and for um, Bubba. I mean, starting off with, you know, Eric Jones there, but that's uh, been an issue with, uh, the next gen car with uh, getting the you know the pit crew and uh, getting the tires off with the single lug nut and I guess that's just part of the growing pains part of the um, part of you know the issues with uh, getting acclimated to this new car um, and it's very reminiscent yeah with uh, Valtteri Botas at Monaco with the wheels stuck and ended his race and then at least uh, Eric Jones was able to finally get the lug nut off and get the tire off and continue on but of course that pretty much ruined the race for him there uh so definitely a issue there um that they're gonna have to look at and hopefully nascar can figure out a way to uh, prevent that issue from the future or for the future so unfortunately um 
just had to happen to Eric Jones there. And of course, Bubba Wallace getting screwed over by his pit crew again uh, with multiple issues. Uh, you know, this time is uncontrolled tire, and so yeah, they've just been inconsistent throughout the year. You know, they had the issue uh, a couple weeks ago, a couple of races ago, and ended up having one of their pit crew members get suspended and the, the crew chief gets suspended. So a lot of things that have happened to his pit crew this uh, year. And uh, I mean, I have to agree with you there um, sponsored by McDonald's, but probably wouldn't be able to uh, go work at McDonald's. And if they did uh, certainly be a mess, um, I don't know, maybe, maybe they can go work at Popeye's or something like that. That might, might fit them better, but uh, definitely think um, you know, the, the issues that they've had this season are, you know, pretty un- unbecoming of a professional racing organization. And I, you know, I think um, with Bubba, it's uh, probably hurt him a lot this year, especially this race. You know, he could have finished in the top five. You know, he was making his way into the top five, uh, passing Chase Elliott, you know, right before uh, Chase Elliott spun in his car uh, with, you know, multiple tire issues there as well. So uh, could have gotten a, a top five finish out of that and, you know, possibly maybe even could have challenged for the win based on how things were going there for Bubba Wallace uh, in this race. But, you know, definitely uh, an issue for 2311 and, you know, Danny Hamlin's addressed it in his post-race interview. You know, they've let Bubba down a lot, but this was also probably one of the best races Bubba Wallace drove in his entire career. So uh, definitely a race where, you know, Bubba Wallace could have uh, finished in the top five if things had gone right. So um, I think um, with the way the way things go for this crew, you know, they'll have to continue just to practice together and um, have to wonder if maybe at some point uh, Denny Hamlin's going to have to make some changes uh, to the crew for the 23 car to improve the results on pit road and make sure that things don't, you know, don't get uh, misfortune or anything like that screwed over for Wallace there. So we'll see what happens for the 23 car, if they can uh, improve their results on pit road and, you know, if they can, uh, improve as a team because definitely now that Kurt Busch has won now um, people are going to want to see the 23 car win uh, kind of the the flagship car and then you've got the uh, second car and Kurt Busch so now now that one car's won you know they want to see you know people want to see the other car win to continue this uh, success of the crew so you know we'll see what happens as we go throughout the the rest of the so-called regular season here in the in the cup series yeah and as it stands right now the only way that Bubba's really going to make the playoff is if he wins. So uh, he points aren't in his favor. They've fucked up a lot this year. They need a win. And so the only way they're going to win is if they get good pit stops. Um, they get good race cars. Um, the pressure is off a little bit on the 45 side, but they want to continue winning because they don't have a lot of points. They don't have a backing. The reality is winning two races is the only true guarantee of making the playoff. At the moment, uh, with 11 different winners so far, and a lot of drivers that haven't won that probably can and have way more points. Uh, so that's something to look at. Well, speaking of points and uh, people that probably don't have to worry uh, in regards to their situation points-wise, Zane Smith. Yeah, he got DQ'd out of a race a few races ago and uh That screwed him over, but in the end, he's still doing pretty good. The Heart of America 200 uh, Saturday night at uh, Kansas saw Zane Smith win his third race of uh, 2022. Dominant performance, 108 laps led, 
Only uh, Corey Heim led 18 laps after starting second. Um, other than that, there's what three other leaders for a couple of laps here and there. Uh, but absolute domination by Zane Smith. Won one stage. Uh, Heim won this first stage. But um, you know, let's see, there's no fifth. I didn't even feel like, oh, yeah, they're running enough rate trucks. Uh, Jesse Uwuji got parked, uh, got the Milkaduno uh, park because he was so goddamn slow. He was in the way. That's hilarious. Um, Zane Smith, Ty Majeski, Grant Infinger, Chandler Smith, Christian Neck is your top five. John Hunter Nemechek qualified on pole, finished sixth. D Burrito, seventh. Derek Krause, Matt Crafton, and Ben Rhodes rounded out your top ten. Uh, freaking Riley Herbst actually raced and finished 12th. Well, it's Riley Herbst. Oh, Haley Deegan actually finished. Wow. Must have swallowed. Um, so with that, yeah, Zane Smith, three wins this year. Uh, that team front row slash DGR. I mean, DGR isn't doing as well this year, probably because of who they have in their vehicles, but there is a connection with DGR and front row motorsports front row motorsports cup effort doesn't look great, but their truck effort looks really good right now. And that's the only real true representation Ford has in regards to this championship. It looks like it's going to be a three horse race between Zane Smith, John Hunter, Nemechek, and of course, defending series champion, Ben Rhodes, the way things are looking at the moment, there might be a couple other people that might be able to sneak in there, but honestly, I think that's really the discussion. The race itself, there wasn't a whole lot to talk about, but um, we're kind of seeing the pattern here and what we're probably going to look at uh, once we get about five plus months from now. Uh, one of these guys is probably going to be up there, uh, one or mul- multiple guys, uh, multiple or, or one or two or three of them will be in the play to possibly win truck series championship and they get the phoenix in november uh what are your thoughts josh yeah i mean i think you know for the truck series you know zane smith continues to be dominant like he has been most of the season and i think you know if it weren't for the disqualification at las vegas earlier this year probably would have seen uh zane smith be the points leader uh, at this point in in the season with you know eight races he's had three career or three wins uh, to the season in uh, four top fives, seven top tens, and better numbers than John Hunter Nemechek and Ben Rhodes. So, you know, if um, if it weren't for that disqualification, probably would be looking at him as uh, the points leader right now. And um, he's you know led more laps than both of them, uh, and it's had a better average finish than both of uh, those drivers. So, yeah, if it weren't for that penalty, he would be the points leader right now. So, speaks to how how well they've performed uh, so far this year and. Again, if um, as long as they continue the the uh, streak that they've been on, and continue to get the amount of wins that they've been getting, then expect them to be the points leader by the end of the regular season uh, for Zane Smith. And uh, I think between the three of them, I would probably pick uh, Zane Smith uh, to win the Truck Series Championship uh, in November at Phoenix. We'll see what happens. Um, I think John Hunter Nemechek isn't uh, quite as strong in, in this uh, s- season. Um, even though he's had uh, a couple of poles, three poles, actually, I think uh, it just hasn't quite had the pace that he had last year. And I think Ben Rhodes is kind of performing the same, just a, a little bit more consistent than he, what he was a year ago. But uh, Ben Rhodes, um, 
I don't think is quite as strong as uh, Zane Smith uh, is in this championship uh, this season. So, you know, we'll see what happens as we go along uh, throughout the rest of the year. But I think between the three of those, uh, you'll have to pick uh, Zane Smith to win the championship. I agree, honestly. I mean, John Hunter is the one that I kind of look at. Can he go and put it together? He's never really been in I mean he was in that battle last year and then it all unraveled at Phoenix but he really wasn't running that well in the playoff either um can he finish um his dad was able to uh 20 years ago uh in the Bush series against the likes of Bobby Labonte who was a defending series champion at that point and Herman and Robert Presley and Jeff Gordon people like that. I mean, there were a bunch of people that he had to battle Todd Bodine um, and Joe Nemechek with his family team was able to hold up and win the Bush series championship. He was on fire at Daytona in the first race of the year, burned his mustache off or whatever. Um, it's the reason why I know Texas Pete hot sauce exists is because of God dang car. Um, but yeah, can John, John Hunter win? Can he put himself in a position to go and move up? Uh, into the Xfinity or possibly the Cup Series because you know that 2311 is trying to expand. Um, it's a matter of time. I think the days of Rick Ware filling the field, they're gonna he's going to make a lot of money. Um, his two charters and his two charters and I think the one Spire charter for the 77, those are the three cars. Those are the next three cars that are probably going to be gone off the grid. It'll be good, honestly. Um or some of these teams are looking to expand. Um, let me go through this. We went all over that. Let's get into the Indy cars. Uh, Colton Herta. I mean, a great job by him to go and pull off a great victory at Indianapolis. I use chaotic and even freaking Marshall Prude is not really known for being a great writer, but he's the one that's allowed to write anything that's IndyCar car sports cars. So I guess uh, vocabulary, our vocabularies are similar in that sense. The GMR Grand Prix, first of two races on the Indianapolis road course. Uh, Colton Herta gets his first win of 2022 over Simon Pagano, Will Power, Marcus Erickson, Connor Daly, Felix Rosenquist, Takuma Sato, Callum Eilat, Christian Lungard, and Scott Dixon. Scott Dixon started 21st, finished 10th. Pagano, uh, 20th to 2nd, a former multiple-time winner at this track. Erickson, 18th to 4th. Takuma got into some argy-bargy and finished 7th after starting 13th. So, uh, and even Colton Herta started 14th and won. Yeah, made a great pit call there with his dad. Uh, so, I mean, it was, there was a whole lot that went on in this race. A lot of cautions. Jimmy Johnson went off and they spent nine laps trying to get his car, which would probably affected the result a bit too. Um, but yeah, Colton Herta getting the momentum that he needs leading into the Indianapolis 500, uh, as a young gun trying to be one of, if not the youngest winner in the history of the race, I think, uh, he's putting himself in great position with that momentum from this win um, after some, I guess, close calls, Long Beach being one of them, uh, St. Pete, uh, to a lesser extent. But Colton Herta, 
gets that win in uh, mixed conditions and shows the kind of talent, which is why people in all over the world are talking about him as one of the next big things in this motorsports. Yeah, I mean, that was a, you know, with Colton Herta, I mean, talk about that save that he made uh, in in the middle of uh, the road course there. Uh, he's trying to get around uh, Pato Award for the lead uh, or the effective lead in that race. But after, you know, switching on to slicks and just showed the amount of car control that he has and the amount of talent going into full opposite lock and basically drifting through one corner uh, just shows the, the amount of talent that he has and got a lot of people talking about it on social media, you know, throughout uh, the community, throughout the racing community. And, you know, saw on Reddit, you know, he made the front page on, on, on the sports Reddit and a lot of people in formula one Reddit were talking about it. And, you know, if, uh, if only Colton Herta could, uh, put together uh, races and, and on a consistent basis, and I think you know a lot of more people would be talking about him, and I think you know, he'd have a lot better case for being in Formula One. Uh, but I mean, what a you know incredible save that he was able to make, and then recovered from that, and then took the lead after that, and then um, of course there's the you know debate on strategy later in the race once the conditions began to. Uh, deteriorate and go back to severe you know wet track and i uh, was able to he was able to get back onto the uh the wet tires and uh take the lead uh from pato award late in the race and uh, then went on to win so colton herta could be positioning himself here for you know a possible yeah indianapolis 500 win but then not only that but also potentially you know position himself uh, for the championship later on if he's able to keep up this type of performance i mean he's a uh, sixth place uh, 38 points behind willpower so we'll see you know if he has the consistency to really challenge for the champion uh, championship this year in indycar so uh, great great performance by him uh, and then of course you know the race itself yeah it was pretty crazy of course with the weather and you know, we've seen teams having to go back and forth uh changing strategies based on the weather, whether it was time to put on slick tires or time to put on the uh, the wet tires. Uh, a lot of craziness, a lot of chaotic uh, events happening throughout this race. And then, you know, you had the uh, spins uh, by different cars. Alex Pelot spun out, uh, got him behind a, a lap down, uh, cost him points, you know, lost the points lead to Will Power. Uh, Joseph Newgarden uh, lost points in this race, got into it with Alexander Rossi and Jack Harvey. Uh, a lot of things that happened in this race. Jimmy Johnson, of course, spun out on his own and then stalled the car and couldn't get it refired, and that contributed to the mess. You saw uh, other you know, cars uh, spin, crash uh, under caution uh, once it got too wet. So just a, a lot of crazy things that happened in this race um, that uh, don't normally happen. Uh, definitely... Uh, you know, they had to go back to a timed race, which that's like one of the things I don't like about IndyCar is that uh, when they get into wet conditions like this, they immediately change the, uh, you know, switch over to the timed format um, rather than the lap distance, um, which I don't know, for some reason that just seems amateurish to me to do that, but that's how they do the rules and then um, didn't really have a lot of racing after they switched to the timed race because uh, a lot of it got 
consumed by caution laps. And I, you know, I think uh, a lot of the drivers probably weren't happy about uh, that the way that the race control was uh, conducting things, especially once uh, they went to the timed format. But you know, for the rest of the field, a uh, good performance for Simon Pagano. Uh, finishing second, started 20th. Uh, Will Power uh, continuing to be consistent, although he hasn't won yet uh, and now has the point le- uh, points lead. Marcus Erickson also came from the back, finished fourth. Uh, Connor Daly, uh, great performance for him in that car uh, with Ed Carpenter Racing getting a top five and being up there in the race uh, the whole the whole time. And then, you know, of course, some of the rookies in this series, uh, like Callum Eilat, Christian Lundgaard, finishing 8th and ninth, uh, Solid finishes for them. Um, you know, David Malukas also uh, in 12th place, uh, pretty solid performance there. And then even somehow, I mean, Tatiana Calderon was not in last or in the back of the field. But, of course, last car on the lead lap, and I think, and actually led one lap. So um, even she was able to uh, get a... Uh, decent run in uh with uh the aj Foyt machine uh for her so yeah, yeah definitely that tells you that tells you how, crazy, you how crazy it was yeah yeah it was a she very... finished in front of green rehaul who's um who's had quite a interesting last few weeks who finished ahead of his buddy roman grosjean the most popular driver in indycar that's funny that he is the most popular driver in indycar it seems convenient um really jimmy would be the most popular but i mean that's based on number of followers i guess on social media in my opinion uh that they I'm voted it that. they had some vote on indycar.com and roman grosjean won it which through which is whatever i mean it's fine um if it was based on how many people he hits he's hit plenty of people over his career um I know that Green Rehall won't win any con- popularity contests. Um, I mean, he well, does win pop- too much. Yeah, well, he wins popularity contests with uh, John Force and Courtney Force and um, Arlen um, and his crew because he's going to end up paying them eventually because he's going to take over that team. But um, yeah, Calderon was the best Foyt car uh, because Dalton Kellett, of course, crashed and Kyle Kirkwood um had a rough also day great. yeah so hopefully for kyle kirkwood he can have a good indy 500 uh you know aj Foyt wants to see that um kirkwood of course is in the news likely to move away from the Foyt team which means i'll have to reset and find somebody else uh to drive the flagship number 14 car uh for next year but we'll uh we're probably getting a little ahead of ourselves there probably getting into that for the Indy 500 but talking about other rookies Eilat and Lundgaard guys that have been in Formula 2 Formula 3 uh, both of them getting a top 10 Eilat driving for a very small team in Junko's Hollander uh to get a top 10 as uh, a big deal likely he's might be in play for Formula 1 or Formula E rides too so that uh you know that always looks good lundgaard i think he's said is he's gonna sit here in indycar the ray hall team uh, they had way better uh they qualified well but the race didn't work out in their favor the strat didn't really go their way jack harvey i think hit everything but the lottery uh with his high v car but hey high v has great activation so there is that um let's see uh we talked about yeah willpower won the pole 
took the points lead uh, going into the Indianapolis 500, uh, which is double points. So that's a big deal there, uh, something that we have to look at in regards to um, who who can really put themselves in a good position. Alex Pillow finished second in the Indianapolis 500 last year. He'd already taken the points lead anyway, but he put himself, he gave himself a lot of uh, space after that to end up uh, winning that championship. Uh, he's 14 points behind Will Power. McLaughlin is third in four, what is it, 18 points behind Will Power. Newgarden, fourth. 30 points and then Dixon fifth is at uh, 133. So is that uh, or 30 point? Yeah. 30 points for new garden to willpower. And it's like 40. So 37, 37 and 38 points, Dixon, Colton Herta. Um, that makes up your top six. Pat Ward, Marcus Erickson, Romain Grosjean and Renus VK make up your top 10 in the IndyCar point standings going into a double points race. Uh, you also have qualifying points at Indy. Um, there are qualifying points, so there are so there's more points. If you can go and get the pole, I think there's probably 12 points. There's things. We'll get into that. I'll probably look into that a little more there. But, yeah, we got uh, IndyCar. It's the month of May. Big deal. Colton Herta getting that, or I mean, not, uh, yeah, Colton Herta, but Connor Daly getting that big run um, after with the way that Renus VK has been driving this season at times. Connor's struggled getting that big run there, qualifying in the fast six, getting a good finish, big deal, leading into the race that definitely is the one that matters the most for Ed Carpenter Racing, which they have a history of running really well in qualifying and even putting themselves in a position to compete for the Indianapolis 500, which they'll have three cars um, trying to do it here this year. We will get into the uh, GSP roundup here in just a second. I wanted to go and bring up a couple websites right there. Yeah, going to Estoril this coming weekend for World Superbikes. Getting results. Yeah, so there you go. That's exactly what I need. Um, getting into the roundup, IMSA was at Mid-Ohio this past weekend, um, and that was a race which saw the uh, Konica Minolta Acura team win yet another race, and uh, it was a Honda or Acura 1-2. Ricky Taylor, Philippe Albuquerque get the win, over Tom Blomquist uh, by 2.098 seconds over Tom Blomquist and Oliver Jarvis for the Meyer Shank Racing uh, Acura. Pippo Durrani, Tristan Nunez in the wheel and engineering uh, Cadillac finished third. Earl Bamba and Alex Lynn finished fourth in the 0-2. The pole was Renger van der Zanda, Sebastian Bourdais, but they finished fifth. And then Richard Westbrook. Tristan Vautier uh, round out the uh, six DPIs. Juan Pablo Montoya, after running the IndyCar race, having a chance to possibly go and uh, finish top 10 in his first IndyCar races of this year, 
in uh, running the for Arrow McLaren or McLaren Arrow, whatever the hell they're calling themselves these days, uh, running the six car crashed, which ended the race. But he was running in the top ten when he did that. Goes gets Taco Bell and then goes to Mid Ohio and with Henrik Henman. <laughs> They go and win LMP2 for Dragon Speed um, over the Jonathan Bomarito, Stephen Thomas, PR1 Matheson team, and then uh, the 20 high-class team of Forbrock and Anderson. Then uh, LMP3, Colin Braun, John Bennett, Core Autosport get the win there. Gabby Chavez, Jared Andretti finished third in that class. Uh, defending champion Gar Robinson finished fourth in GTD. The McLaren was the, they actually crossed the line as a winner, the inception racing McLaren with Jordan pepper, Brendan Uribe, but then they got DQ'd, which gave BMW a one, two Robbie Foley, Bill Oberlin, Bill Oberlin adds to his, you know, win total gets another one uh, here in mid Ohio and then Brian Sellers, Madison Snow for Paul Miller Racing. They get the 1-2 for BMW. And Aaron Keelitz, Frankie Monacalvo get a uh, third-place finish in the full-season Vassar-Sullivan GTD uh, Lexus. Uh, their teammates, their teammate Jack Hawksworth had Richard Highstand running uh, here as an extra car. And they finished seventh in class. Ryan Eversley and Aiden Reed and the Rick Ware Racing Acura ended up finishing tenth in class. So there is so that's uh, the Grand Prix of Mid Ohio. Their next race will be at the next uh, race for IMSA will be at Belle Isle here uh, the week after the Indianapolis 500. We'll get into that when that happens. Uh, MotoGP. At Le Mans, it was a French Grand Prix uh, this past weekend, and which saw Enea Bastaini get his third win of 2022. He's only had three podiums this year, and they're all wins, which is interesting. Jack Miller finished second. Alicia Spargo finished third. Uh, defending world champion and Frenchman Fabio Quattararo finished fourth. Along uh, behind him was a fellow Frenchman Johan Zarco. In fifth, Mark Marquez, sixth, Nakagami, seventh, Brad Bender, Luca Marini, Marini, and Maverick Vinales round out your top ten. Amongst people that ended up crashing out, both uh, Tech 3 KTMs, both Suzuki's, uh, Johan, or Jorge Martin for Pramac, Peko Bagnaya was running, trying to win the race, he crashed out, and Miguel Oliveira. Uh, for Red Bull KTM points right now going into the next race in Italy Fabio Quattararo holds a four-point lead over Alicia Spargo eight points over Anea Bastaini and then uh, Rins is uh, well back but uh, he's in a small he's in a battle between himself Jack Miller and Zarco Bagnaia Binder Mir are all tied for seventh in points, Mark Marquez is two points behind him and behind all of them uh, in tenth. In Moto Two uh, coverage, you had uh, the 
I'm going to slide down here. Augusto Fernandez gets the win over Aaron Kinnett. Uh, Sumcat Chantra gets the last podium spot by just a few, whatever, 10, like 12 hundredths of a second over Cameron Bobier, the former multiple-time Moto America Superbike champion, trying to get his first podium in Moto2. Had a great run, but I think the tire went off and uh, unfortunately wasn't able to um, get that maiden podium. Uh, Joe Roberts finished seventh. Celestino Vietti, who had a rough uh, day, was able to salvage an eighth-place finish and uh, own, uh, limit the lost Ayogura, who's his rival for the uh championship there uh, right now Celestino Vietti is 16 points ahead of Ayagura Aaron Kinnett is for the three points behind so he's uh, what is it 19 points at him Tony Arbolino fourth Augusto Fernandez with his win moves up to fifth Joe Roberts has scored in every round this year uh, which um, nobody ahead of him can say uh, but the points have not been great in some of those races, he's sixth ahead of Chantra. Cameron Bobier, after his fourth place finish, moves up to 14th in points. Um, he's only, right now, he's only seven points out of the top 10. So, something to look at. Uh, if he can continue this run, it might be a possibility he can move up even further. And uh, his teammate, Sean Dillon Kelly, had to retire from the race. Uh, this past weekend, so unfortunate uh, uh, deal for him in the American racing team. But good run, of course, for Cameron Bobier. Uh, one of these days, I think he's going to go and win a race. The way this season has been, um, feel like a win is on in the cards for Cameron Bobier. We'll maybe manifest it. Uh, get into Formula E in Berlin. First race. Saw Eduardo Mortara win over Jean-Eric Verne and Stoffel Van Dorn, who won Monaco. Andre Lauder and Mitch Evans were your top five. In race two, Nick DeVries, the defending world champion, wins over Mortara and Van Dorn. Luca de Grassi, Robin Freins, your top five. You have a bunch of former champions there. DeVries, de Grassi. Antonio Felix da Costa in sixth, John Eric Verne ninth. Getting into the standings, going to Indonesia here in a few weeks' time. Van Dorn is 12 points ahead of Mortara. John Eric Verne trying to get another championship is six, yeah, 16 points behind in third. Then there's a bigger gap to Mitch Evans, who has two wins this year, Robin Freins, um, and who are in their own little battle. DeVries is well back right now, uh, even though he has two wins. Um, otherwise, he only has a couple of uh, three tenth-place finishes, um, one sixth-place, so tough uh, battle to try to go and defend his title. In regards to Oliver Askew, yes, he's still stuck on 17. He's in 17th. He's still stuck on three points. But he's ahead of 
five drivers, including uh, the two Penske, uh, what do you call, I forget what their team is, um, the Dragon Penske team. So there is that, but they're going to be a factory team next year, semi-factory team. Dick Tantrum and Max Gunther and Alex Sims, who's running for Mahindra, and Max Gunther is running for Nissan. And uh, Sebastian Buemi is having a rough year, too, so I guess there is that. Uh, Getting into supercars at Winton, first time in three years with the Winton Super Sprint, three races. The current championship points see um, Shane Van Gisbergen up by 164 over Anton Di Pasquale. And uh, Will Davison's third, so the two... Dick Johnson Racing cars are second and third. Cameron Waters is fourth in uh, the Monster Race, Monster Energy Ford for Tickford Racing, and Chaz Mostert for Walkinshaw Andretti United is fifth. Brock Feeney, who's in the other Red Bull Triple um, Eight car, is sixth. The rookie. There's a good battle between. Uh, Waters all the way down to Brody Kostecki. You have Reynolds and Brody Kostecki from from so from fourth to eighth uh, points wise. So that's something that we'll look at. Um, can Ford make uh, make uh, something happen here in the races this coming weekend at Winton to go and make it a little more interesting, or will Shane Van Gisbergen continue to dominate? That's something that we will find out for sure. And out of that, going to World Superbikes, going into Estoril uh, this coming weekend. Alvaro Bautista is the points leader by uh, 18 over Johnny Ray. Defending champion Toprak Ras Lagulu is uh, third. Andrea Locatelli and Iker Lakuona are your top five. It's from Toprak to Iker Lacuona is only 14 points. And it's uh, 21 to Michael Ruben Rinaldi. So there's a little battle there between third through sixth. And then it's really close after that. Garrett Gerloff is 11th in points. Uh, the American on the Yamaha trying to go move up. He can go and make some ground. Could even with a good weekend, this weekend could get all the way up to sixth, maybe even fifth or fourth. You get really crazy, get a couple of wins. It'd be nice. Um, Ducati leads the manufacturers by five points over Kawasaki. Yamaha's in third in their own little battle. Honda and BMW are fourth and fifth. Going into this weekend's uh, races at Estoril, the legendary Estoril circuit. Uh, once uh, uh, home for the Formula One, for Formula One now, they go to Portimao, but uh, for many years they used to go to Estoril's beautiful track. I love that place, but um, now it's a place for um, motorcycles and touring cars. We'll get into Formula Two and Formula Three. We have going in a this weekend's race. At uh, Catalunya, Teo Pocher uh, is the points leader uh, by four over Felipe Drogovic. Jehan Daruvala is third uh, 
what is it, 16 points. Yeah, 16 points back. So, yeah, 16 points back. Liam Lawson, 17 points back in fourth. Richard Vishore is fifth. Go and scroll down. Logan Sargent is tied with Enzo Fittipaldi for 10th in points, but Enzo Fittipaldi had the one result at Imola versus two or two points results for Logan Sargent. We'll move into Formula 3, which sees Victor Martens and Artur Leclerc Tied in points, Roman Stanek in third, Isaac Hajdar in fourth, they're all in Jack Crawford, the American in fifth. These are all only separated by two points right now. Oliver Bierman is in sixth, Juan Manuel Correa is in ninth, Kalen Frederick in twelfth, Cushmine, the Indian driver, in fourteenth. Um, yeah, and then there's some other drivers there that haven't scored yet, so. We'll see what happens in in Catalonia this coming weekend for the Formula 3. It's very tight championship, to say the least. It's going to be a lot tighter than Formula 2 probably would be. Um, w Series is the Jamie Chadwick show, for sure. After her double win at Miami a couple of weeks ago, she is uh, 28 points ahead of Nuria Marti. And 30 points out of Marta Garcia. Uh, Chadwick's teammate, Chloe Chambers, is 11th. And then there are drivers, what is it, three, four, six drivers that didn't score uh, points. So we'll see if they're able to score points this coming weekend in Catalonia before they take a little break before the British Grand Prix weekend. Um, last thing we'll go over before we get into the Spanish Grand Prix itself to be remiss if i don't mention the nhra nhra at uh, richmond this past weekend uh, camping world uh, nhra drag racing series saw uh, britney force win in top fuel um robert height in funny car and matt smith who made a change from the buell to a suzuki get his first win of uh, 2022, I mean, of course, Matt Smith's rode Suzuki's, rode the whatever V twins. He's rode all of them. Uh, multiple time champion uh, Ty Tharp and Top Fuel Harley. Uh, there was a record set and um, Top Fuel Harley where a guy went 268 miles an hour on a freaking motorcycle, which is insane. Um, I mean, those things are ridiculous. I don't know how you have to be mentally deranged to ride one of those things, but I guess that's part of what makes it so cool. But um, it says Q1, Q2. I'm trying to find the run. It says 230, 224. It makes no... Where the heck did... 222. Where the heck is that? I don't understand how... They were talking about it on the T on the telecast, and they're like, "Oh, somebody went 268 miles an hour." But then, is it Bob Malloy? I guess it was. He went 268 miles an hour. Whatever. Those things are suicide machines. Uh, yeah. So we'll 
detailed results. Brittany Forrest beats Steve Torrance, so it's good for the world. Uh, Funny Car saw Robert Hype beat Matt Hagen, the Tony Stewart racing driver. And then in Pro Stock Motorcycle, Steve Johnson or Matt Smith beats Steve Johnson in his Suzuki over Suzuki battle. So there is that. Um, Pro Mod Tyler Miller goes and wins over Tricky Ricky Smith, the legend. Uh, had issues off. What is it? He had issues down after around six sixty feet there uh, to try to go and make yet another win. Um, Smith starts drifting out of the group towards center line, collects the timing cones. Okay, so he got DQ. Whatever. So there is that. Next next race on the. I mean, getting into the point standings, Brittany Forrest has a four round lead over Steve Torrance right now. Um, basically, her, uh, him and Mike Salinas. And uh, yeah, you got the top ten. Antron Brown's outside of the top ten right now. Um, so is Leah Pruitt. Doug Foley, Trip Tatum, Cameron Foray. Uh, those are some of the people that run. All. I don't know if they run every week, but in um, Funny Car, Robert Height cuts Matt Hagen's lead to 15. Uh, Caps is in third. John Force, after winning four wide, is fourth. Cruz Pentagon, fifth. You have, I'm trying to see some of the other people that you know, run every race. And you have, I mean, in the Pro Stock didn't run this weekend. Steve Johnson's up by 50 points over Karen Stouffer. You have uh, Eddie Krewick in third, only seven points ahead of Matt Smith, who won the race. Uh, his wife, Angie, qualified number one, uh, didn't have fare so well in the race itself. And, uh, yeah, we got some of those other people, and we'll get into that more as the year goes on and we get towards the U.S. Nationals. So, Josh, I'll uh, throw to you in regards to the Spanish Grand Prix. We have uh, a lot to look into in regards to will, will, will we see something different? Will we get somebody to go and make uh, make a change? Will Ferrari's upgrades that they were testing at Monza last week make the difference for Charles Leclerc to possibly go and get around Max Verstappen, or will Max Verstappen continue what he's been doing with his domination in regards to the 2022 World Drivers Championship? Well, I think certainly um, Ferrari can make a challenge at this at this racetrack, but it, it's um, going to be dependent on um, how well they can go up against Red Bull. I mean, you talk about uh, their testing, and the there's a lot of chances for uh, speed at this racetrack, of course, long front straight, uh, at Circuit de Catalunya, and um, you have DRS uh, detection zone two on the front stretch, and then zone one um, from turn eight uh, going through turn nine to turn ten. Um, so there's going to be a lot of opportunity for speed, and some of the testing that they did at Monza certainly could uh, carry over and possibly uh, get back to the um, you know to Red Bull, who at Miami had a uh, had a six and a half mile an hour uh, speed advantage on the straights and in the DRS zones compared to Ferrari. So if they can make some gains in the speed department. It certainly could help them here at, uh, at Catalonia. And then, you know, I think for Charles Leclerc, of course, crashed uh, out and destroyed the uh, Nicky Lauda Ferrari at um, 
the Monaco Historic Grand Prix. So maybe he got rid of some of his bad luck uh, going into the month of May, uh, well, already in the month of May. But, you know, of course, bad luck here at get rid of the bad luck for this race and also at at Monaco where he seems to have a lot of really terrible luck at. So um, we'll have to see if if uh, he, he can maybe win the pole. Uh, player makes a mistake and or stop and something happens to him. Him enough out of Carlos Sainz to say that he you know, another podium at his home race storyline. I know that Fernando Alonso probably isn't going to be at the top end of the grid in their battle with Red Bull since it is work out so well that the porpoising was bad. I think that Mercedes is going to respond here because for both Luke, they want to be able to. Lewis, but Lewis is 23 point in third. Um, right now, Charles Leclerc and Max are stopping. Uh, I'll go and make uh, my picks. I think the Monaco Grand Prix here in a couple weeks' time. Charles Leclerc responds. So Lewis will get on the podium. Those are my takes. I figure it'll be Leclerc up in Hamilton on the podium. Pre finishes in second, and then you know I'm gonna go the different direction in the Mercedes camp. I'll say a Mercedes car finishes and uh, the podium, but I'm gonna say that it's uh, gonna be George Russell this week. He's been performing better than Lewis, I think, overall this entire season, and uh, I think uh, you know he can get the job done and get his second podium for Mercedes here uh, this season and finish in third. And then you know, I think maybe a wild card. You know I'll go the other direction. Uh, let's go with um, Lando Norris as the wild card. Um, other than Daniel Ricardo, um, he hasn't you know hasn't performed quite as well as he did last year either. So uh, could see uh, Lando Norris you know possibly challenging for a, a points position outside of the uh, the podium uh, potentially, and then you know I'll throw in another guy and um, as Saban Ocon, I think um, he could be someone that challenges in the points as well uh, this week. Um, so a lot of things that could happen. You know this is a it's not really a track known for overtaking, but you know we've seen some crazy things you know happen in this racetrack before you know go back to 2016 uh edition of this race with uh lewis and um nico rosberg getting into it as teammates in that race and opening the door uh for max verstappen to get his you know uh, first career win in uh, formula one so definitely could happen uh something like that so uh we'll see uh and certainly you know with Ferrari, you know, with um, Charles Leclerc, maybe he, he still has more mistakes to make. You know, we saw the mistake he made back in uh, Imola could happen again here. So could open the door for uh, someone else to get a, a podium besides uh, one of the Ferraris. So and maybe maybe we get two Mercedes on the podium, depending on how they uh, perform this weekend through uh, practice and qualifying. So definitely a lot of things that could happen here uh, in the Spanish Grand Prix. And it's something that we'll discuss here on episode 115 next week, a uh, race that builds into the greatest um, week in motorsports or greatest day in motorsports in the Monaco Grand Prix, uh, back-to-back races, uh, multiple, one of many that Formula One will have, um, and the going to one of the biggest races of the year, if not the biggest race. So uh, how... Things that go on this weekend, I think, are going to set a tone towards this next few months of the Formula One season prior to the summer break um, with budget caps and upgrades and 
the whole bit and who can stand out, who can make something happen versus teams that may not be able to respond. Uh, the Indy 500 is uh, coming up, and uh, we have practice and qualifying coming up this uh, weekend or this week into this weekend. Uh, 33 cars will uh, attempt to make this race, so there won't be any bumping, but they've made uh, adjustments to the uh, qualifying format so that there will be a little bit of drama within the qualifying. Uh, There are eight winners of this race entered. They say eight, but he says Ryan Hunter Ray's entered. That's a mistake. He isn't entered in this race. So, oh, there is eight, but they put Ryan Hunter Ray in there randomly. Um, But it's uh, actually, he put nine in there, but they said there's eight because Ryan Hunter Ray isn't in this race. Uh, seven rookies, first uh, highest amount since 2014, including Jimmy Johnson and Roman Grosjean, amongst others. 13 drivers from the United States, 20 international drivers from 14 different countries, including the defending race winner, Elio Castro-Neves, um, going and trying to win a fifth Indy 500 to join Jeff Gordon as uh, the winningest driver and get Indianapolis. I think, uh, I'm not sure if Michael Schumacher won uh, how many races, he, how many USGPs he, he won. I have to go and confirm that. But in regards to winners, I mean, Tony Kanaan be driving the American Legion car number one. So going into Memorial Day, that's pretty cool for one of the most popular drivers. Um, Joseph Newgarden, Scott McLaughlin, Dalton Kellett, Pato Award, Elio Castro-Jash Neves, Juan Pablo Monterrier, Felix Rosenquist, Marcus Erickson, Scott Dixon, Alex Pillow, defending series champion, finished uh, second last year. Scott Dixon, former winner, only has won once in this race, which is crazy. Um, J.R. Hildebrand has a cool paint scheme with um, Homes for Our Troops and ABC Supply on his number 11 AJ Foyt car. Will Power, the points leader entering this race, former winner of the Indianapolis 500, hasn't qualified on pole for this race. Considering how many poles Will Power has had in his career, he hasn't won the pole for the Indy 500. Kyle Kirkwood, Green Rehall, David Lucas, Connor Daly, Renus VK, Santino Ferrucci, uh, running for Dryden Reinbold along with Sage Karam. So two Northeast guys, Ferrucci from Connecticut, Sage Karam from Nazareth, Pennsylvania, Stefan Wilson in the um, hodgepodge connection between Dragon Speed, Cusick Motorsports. Uh, They were able to get a car together to fill the field. Colton Herta, Alexander Rossi, former winner of this race. Um, Grosjean, DeFrancesco, Christian Lungard, Ed Carpenter, former multiple-time pole sitter for this race, running the number 33, Jack Harvey, Jim Johnson, two-time Indianapolis 500 winner, Takuma Sato. Of course, Jimmy Johnson's won, what, three, four times in the Brickyard 400. Simon Pagino, former winner of the Indianapolis 500, uh, making his debut for Meyer Schenk in this race. And his teammate, of course, won for them last year. Callum Eilat and 
former pole sitter Marco Andretti, former pole sitter and runner-up in this race, Marco Andretti. So those are the 33 cars that will start the Indianapolis 500. We don't know who's going to start where, but I'll throw to you, Josh, first. Um, I know the qualifying format's a little different this year in regards to how they go and set the field and um, what, uh, you know, how they're going to go and um, whatever. I guess qualifying will be the top 12. Um, you got race details and you'll bring that up. They're going to have, yeah, top 12 and Firestone fast six. So they'll have elimination format, um, kind of deal. They'll have the top 12 will get to run one, one run. The top six will then run for pole, uh, like the road courses. And then they'll have a last row. I guess they won't have a last row shootout. So that instead of it being uh, last row shootout because they don't have bumping, they're going to have the top 12 run again. So I guess in that sense, um, it takes a little bit of drama in the back end of the field away, but it'll be a little bit more drama towards trying to make that top 12 and possibly have a chance to maybe win the pole uh, for the Indianapolis 500, which comes with that $100,000 bonus and the bonus points and the whole bit that comes with that. So, I mean, 12 cars, it was a fast nine for many years. Now it's the fast 12 to eliminate. So there's going to be multiple runs for um, the pole, um, weather permitting, of course, because it is Indianapolis, Josh. Um, who are you? I mean, we don't even, unfortunately, we, we do this now that we do the show, Earlier in the week, we don't even have any practice, so we're just pulling this out of the out of thin air. So this might actually be a good time, honestly, to bring out the algorithm um, because um, can I? I guess here's the thing: I'm gonna go and give you time to go and mess with it. So can you figure out a way with your algorithm to come up with a front row? Um, and I might make is, some adjustments to that, um, or I mean. There's so there's multiple there's multiple layers. So possible front row will pole is one thing. Front row is another, and then getting really extreme, who's going to be the back row? Because there's always drama. Who's going to be the back row? I mean, it, there really isn't this year. I know that likely uh, Stefan Wilson is going to be on the back row because that team is literally they're putting this car together as we speak, probably. Uh, on Monday evening, trying to put this car together to practice tomorrow. Um, likely he'll just make four laps and put it in the show and they'll just be trying to practice and get themselves in a position to make a run, to have a decent finish uh, a couple weeks from now, um, a couple Sundays from now in the Indianapolis 500. So that I figure they'll be on the last row, but um in regards to other people, who do I think will be on the last row? Uh, I'm trying to see here. I think that I would I would say, I mean, Karam has generally ended up in this spot uh, regularly, whether whatever timing, whatever, however it works. So I'll say that Sage Karam ends up on the last row. 
and Devlin DeFrancesco ends up on the last row, largely because Devlin DeFrancesco sucks. Um, I would probably put up David Malukas, who hasn't really done a whole lot this year, as another person, but Dale Coyne has shown a lot of speed over the years. They had um, good speed last year at Indy, and now they have two-time Indianapolis 500 winner Takuma Sato, so that might cancel it out. Um, I personally, then that's why I think he would cancel, be canceled out. He'd probably be a little bit ahead of that final row, be in row 10, whatever, David Malukas, row 9. Um, who knows, maybe he pulls it out of his ass and has a good run. But um, I think that those are the three guys. We'll see Stefan Wilson start tailback with uh, Sage Karam and Devlin Francesco on the final row. And in regards to the poll, I'm going to go with, I don't like them. I'm doing this because of Frank and Missy uh, and their baby, their guy, Winge Power, finally wins the poll in the Indianapolis 500. Uh, he He's got to have the willpower to win the poll. Yeah, good, good job there with the pun. Um fact of the matter is, he is the points leader, adds to his points lead, puts two runs together, um, eight laps on Sunday, um, which will I'll be bowling, so I won't even be able to see this. I'll, I'll, it'll be, I hope IndyCar does their job and posts the whole entire qualifying session, or I guess um, I still have Peacock, so I guess I could go and replay it or whatever. But um, Will Power puts it on pole, and Colton Herta. Puts it on the front row and um, Ganassi car. I'll say I'll say uh, Scott Dixon puts it on the middle of the front row and Colton Herta puts it on the outside of row one in his bid to be the youngest winner I think in the Indianapolis five in Indianapolis five hundred history. So did a little bit of stalling there, Josh, to see if you could go and figure out some things on your end. So I'm going to go and throw to you. Yeah, I mean, so first of all, I mean, I'll just give my quick thoughts on, you know, the Fast 12. Um, I think you're probably going to see Ed Carpenter racing in the Fast 12. Uh, oh, I messed up with out that. I should have probably could have picked somebody for the front row there. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's their cars are always fast and reliable in qualifying. Um, they always seem to bring their best uh, to Indianapolis. Of course, Ed Carpenter, you know, he's um steps on Tony George and everything, but um, he's always... Wanting to you know bring the Indiana you know Indianapolis pride uh, to the race and definitely a fan favorite for sure. So uh, that te- the whole team is um, so um, got and who knows maybe if they win the poll, Bitcoin rises again since they're sponsoring um, Arena's VK. Maybe I don't know. I don't know if that's enough to affect uh, cryptocurrency, but and Connor help. too. Yeah, that's who. Yeah. So um, Ed Carpenter definitely in, uh, racing definitely in the uh, Fast Twelve probably couple of the Penske cars at least, um, two out of three. Then I would say probably uh, three out of the five uh, Chip Ganassi racing cars. Um, and then, uh, so, you know, one of them, Tony Khan, maybe a Jimmy Johnson, and then probably Scott Dixon or Alex Polo uh, in the, the uh, Fast 12. And then I think probably a couple of the Andretti cars look for Rossi. And then uh, Marco Andretti, of course, uh who you know be racing the one-off in the Indianapolis 500 this year? So um, one of those cars, uh, possibly Colton Herta, 
uh, there. But so the way the algorithm is going to work, I copy and pasted the whole entry list into Excel, and I'm just going to run it through one by one, process of elimination, and the first car that it picks, we'll do the the pole first, and the and then the uh, the front row, and then the last row. So first up on the pole is Graham Rahal winning the poll for the 2022 uh, 106th running of the Indianapolis 500 right there. So we got you, boy, right there. And then we'll run it again. Um, oh, yeah, run it again. And hold on, I might have to, like, delete these. And then let's see, how does that work? Hold on. This is not happening the way I want it. Oh, okay, now. Then Scott Dixon. There we go. Okay. Scott Dixon. All right. Second. Okay. So that's that's legitimate, I think. Um Graham Harrell, but surprised, but uh, yeah, uh, the Ray Halls have not exactly qualified great at Indianapolis over their um, time. But of course, Bob Ray Hall, uh, winner uh, at Indianapolis when I was one and a half years old or thereabouts, and uh, famously uh, DNQ'd because of Eddie Cheever uh, in 1993 after winning the IndyCar title, um, amongst other. Fails uh, for Bob Rahal, and then of course Graham Rahal um, has had his moments qualifying, has had moments trying to wreck, uh, run well, finished third in this race, has been in position in recent years to win the race, and uh, wrecked late. So there is that. Can Graham Rahal win for the first time in what five years? He hasn't won a race in five years, so he almost won last year. So. You know, could have... He almost won last year, yeah, and then he got wrecked. So it, this is the one he wants. This is the one that he basically probably could go and say, F- <laughs> this is the FU one, um, if he can go and win this race, um, joining his father, like the Unzers, um, something that even Michael Andretti didn't even do. Um, if he could join Al Unser Jr. Um, as a son of a Indy 500 champion, that would be something. Yeah, so now you got um, Graham Hill winning the pole, Scott Dixon qualifying second, and then now we've got Mr. American, um, Joseph Newgarden, the All-American driver, uh, qualifying third. So that's okay. your front row that the algorithm is picking. Uh, pretty, okay. I think that's pretty credible so far. Yeah, the definite, um, definitely a, a front row that can happen. It doesn't seem out it seems out of the realm at least on the pole sitter but you know you would think that ray hall letterman lanigan david letterman of course an indiana boy um he wants he's won the indy 500 multiple times they've won the indy 500 with buddy rice who won the pole back in 2004 when he won the race albeit rain shortened and of course takuma sato won the race his second indy 500 in three years um, qualifying back in the day was more in their favor. Hasn't been in recent years. So it isn't out of the realm. Of course, Dixon, multiple pole sitter of this race. Joseph Newgarden, the only thing that's basically missing from his resume to basically guarantee lifetime uh, lifetime contract at Penske Racing is this race. Um, the polls, whatever. I mean, Rick Mears won six of them. I think Joseph Newgarden would love the pole, but I think he'd rather have the race win. So good front row. It'd be great. A lot of great storylines to come from that front row. Yeah. But so, um, 
Now the last row here, algorithm first position is picking the number 98, Marco Andretti, which would be really shocking. He, I has, think. he has started in the back before. He started 33rd before in this race. So it's not out of, I mean, for a guy who's won the pole a couple of years ago, he's only in a one-off. Might not be out of the realm of possibility. Yeah. And so then after that, uh, the last row, um, middle of the last row is Ed Carpenter, which would be really shocking, but not out of the realm of possibilities, especially. You know, Might crash. Could, yeah, could crash or something like that, and he's guaranteed a spot, so could definitely happen there. Only um, second, only his second race of the year. Uh, did run at Texas, but, you know, I think for for storylines and drama, it'd be pretty cool to see Ed E.C., uh, who's talking about possibly adding a third full-time car, um, an Indy car coming from the back. Uh, his days probably as a driver are coming, getting closer to the end. So, hey, why not come from the tailback? Yeah, so that's definitely possible. And then the last uh, spot goes to Simon Pagino, which that'd be really bad. This is the 60, um, which I feel like, you know, Mike Shank racing, Definitely has qualified better than that, uh, you know, even with Jack Harvey behind the wheel last year. So um, that's your last row. Simon Pagano, uh, 33rd spot. Um, you got Ed Carpenter in the middle in 32nd, and then 31st goes to, um, did we say again? I, Marco. Marco. So um, that would yeah. be one of the better last rows in the history of this race. <laughs> that would be something. I, I yeah. I'd pay for I'd pay for that last row. I just for the just for the 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 anger and frustration from Ed <laughs> Carpenter, um, because Marco Marco doesn't really care. Um, he cares more about SRX at this point, and I mean Pagino, I think has the confidence that he could come from wherever. And, and win. I he didn't qualify. I, he qualified on pole when he won the race, but he has qualified worse and done well in this race too. So he's got good momentum coming off of a podium. So it's an interesting little uh, deal there. Yeah. I I went a little more chalk. I went a little more. Um, I probably could have went Dalton Kellett in the last row because he does suck. Um, I, I went Stefan Wilson because they just don't have a lot of time. And I did go Devlin DeFrancesco because he's got awful. Um, yeah. but, so uh, algorithm last row is definitely going to be a, I mean, that's a pretty good one and would have to be worse than people like, um, Stefan Wilson, not, not a knock against the driver, but just the not, fact yeah. it's a, last uh, put together team the 77 Hunkos, which you know they've they've been on the last row before knocking out mclaren right uh, a couple with years fernando ago alonso, fernando alonso yeah with yep. um kyle um or um what the heck is his name kyle kaiser yeah uh, kyle kaiser ran, and yeah after he had wrecked the car um they they had backup parts on there not their best parts and they went and knocked out mclaren with uh Fred Alonso, um, yeah. So I mean, Callum Eilat, good driver, small team. So yeah. it could get into it could get kind of interesting there. But yeah. I mean, and then I think uh, Dalton Kellett probably is a shoe in for the last row too. Yeah, I, I pick Sage Karam 
As I apologize, Sage. It's not like you'd ever come on my show anyway, or on our show. But um, I probably should have picked Dalton Kellett, because even though he's a guy that supposedly would come on the show, he's Dalton Kellett. And it kind of fits the whole Canadian rich boy deal, like in Formula One. They so, they have a lot in Devlin DeFran. I picked one of them. I picked Devlin DeFrancesco, um, who sucks ass. We'll get into it next week. I'm gonna. I'm probably gonna invite a former uh, guest on. It'll be an interesting show. Uh, probably gonna have to do two shows next week, <laughs> considering it's IndyCar and NASCAR. Uh, I mean, could even do three. I mean, but really, could do an open wheel show and we could do a, a NASCAR show. But in regards to greatest day in motorsports, with uh, you know Monaco. Indy and Coca-Cola 600 and the whole NASCAR weekend itself. So we'll talk all about that here for episode 115 or however many episodes that might be. Uh, Let's get into the NASCAR all-star race, uh, Josh. Uh, Definitely uh, interesting uh, new format because why not? They, They change a format every fucking year. Um, for the all-star race, um, as it stands, the all-star race entry list has, was it 20 drivers? Uh, you have Ross Chastain, of course, who's won two races this year. Austin Sindrick won the, uh, Daytona 500. We'll be driving the Keystone Light, uh, car in the all-star race. Kevin Harvick, former winner of the all-star race, will, um, be in, uh, Kyle Larson, defending winner of the All-Star Race, defending series champion. Um, Brad Keselowski with his win from Talladega last year. Chase Elliott, uh, Eric Almarola after winning New Hampshire last year, he gets in. Denny Hamlin, Ryan Blaney, uh, Chase Briscoe, he has his new sponsor. They don't have anything there, but Chase Briscoe has his uh, new sponsor, um, magical vacation planner, uh, MVP will be on the car this weekend for him. AJ Allmendinger, after his win at the Indianapolis road course, will be in the Andes frozen custard number 16. Kyle Bush, Martin Truex, uh, Christopher Bell from last year's Daytona road course win gets in. Joey Logano. Bubba Wallace from Talladega last October, William Byron, Michael McDowell from last from the twenty-one Daytona five hundred. Uh, which I mean, I mean, at the end of the day, it should be from I guess if you won the year before, you're in the whatever. And Michael McDowell's in this race. I don't know why. Um, Kurt Busch, of course, from last week, and he had won last year at Atlanta. So you'd have been either you'd have been in either way, um, and Alex Bowman makes twenty drivers. So when you consider there's thirty six chartered cars, twenty cars already in this race. Um, so you're not really the the open doesn't have a whole hell of a lot of drama. To be fair, um, get into the open open list. Um, you have um, Austin Dillon, former winner at Texas. Uh, Corey LaJoy, Tyler Reddick, Garrett Smithley, Chris Busher, Harrison Burton, Justin Haley, 
Todd Gillen, Cole Custer, Ty Dillon, Eric Jones, O. Richard, Cody Ware, Landon Castle, driving to 77, B.J. McLeod, and Daniel Suarez. So of that 16-car field, four drivers are going to make make the all-star race. Um, three based on the stages because they're going to have they're going to, what is it, the, the, they're showing them main race. I think there's going to be three stages and then the, the fan vote winner. So let's go with that, Josh. Um, right now, just out of curiosity, just to go and talk about it, the top four vote getters at the moment are in no particular order. Eric Jones, Corey LaJoy, Tyler Reddick, and Daniel Suarez. I would venture to say that a couple of those guys are probably going to make it in on merit, Um, whether it's like Eric Jones, whether it's Daniel Suarez or Tyler Reddick. I think Tyler Reddick is probably going to win the poll and win the first stage and get himself into the all-star race because he's been one of the best drivers um, this season that just doesn't have anything to show for it. Um, I mean, Suarez is up there too. If they don't tell him that he's won the fan vote, I think, I mean, to be fair, he could just go up there, win a stage, get in, and that allows somebody like a Corey LaJoy to get into the all-star race or an Eric Jones to get into the all-star race if their car isn't as good. But when you look at this field outside of Corey LaJoy, you wouldn't really be offended by any of those drivers making the field um i mean it kind of you kind of get outside of that i mean there's only what four three four five oh there's seven fords in the field out of 16 but two of them are 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 require cars and one of them's the live fast car so it's really there's like four and then of the four it's busher burton todd gillard uh, yeah, Harrison Burton, Todd Gilland, and Custer, who sucks. So four doesn't really have a chance to get anybody in. Uh, it looks like it's going to be, and there's no Toyota, so it's literally Chevys and Ford. So I guess there that it'll be a good good thing. Is there a, can a Ford actually make the All Star race out of the open? That that's a good question. And if so, who? Um, and uh, to me, I think of that list. It's a pretty wealthy list. Um, I'll go out on a limb. He's won a race there in the Xfinity Series. He's been god-awful all year. Pulled out of his ass, Harrison Burton. I knew you were going to say that. Yeah. <laughs> You're, yeah, we're friends. That's how we know it. Um, I'm like, it's Fords, and none of them are great. And I'm like, I can't pick a Rick Ware car or BJ McLeod. It would be interesting if I did one of those, but I'd have to be, I haven't drank that much. And um, I also haven't drank enough strong stuff to come up with a way to make any of those three cars make it. Um, But yeah, Harrison Burton goes and backdoors his way into the all-star race. Kind of going, taking the vibes from his dad, kind of going, getting there. Otherwise, I think it's going to be a Chevy benefit. Um, Tyler Reddick makes it in. Daniel Suarez makes it in. Eric Jones makes it in. And then Corey LaJoy gets the fan vote. Um, 
honestly, by showing that top four, you basically said, all right, three of those guys have done what they had to do driving. I mean, to be fair, Reddick should have been in this race. <laughs> My guy went and sent him to the moon, um, and he almost won anyway. Uh, Reddick should be in this race. Uh, Suarez has done well, and his teammates won twice this year. He's on the cusp. Those are the top two guys that are on the cusp of winning their first race. And then Eric Jones with that 43 car, that team has been good enough to um, have the pace. And in a race that's generally not that strong, um, that car should be able to advance into the field. Um, And Corey LaJoy will win the fan vote. Uh, Do you see anything different or what are you looking at, uh, Josh? Um, I mean, I, I, my one wild card I said was was uh, Harrison, maybe uh, Todd Gilland, perhaps, because he's he's a liable to go and hit somebody. Um, who knows? What is it? Ty Dillon? He hit everything but the lottery when during the uh, the Bush Clash um, at uh, the Coliseum, and he made the main event. Um, yeah, but that's the yeah. Coliseum, not Texas Motor Speedway. Um, I mean. I would like to pick a Ford, um, but it would have to be Chris Buescher. But I just don't see it happening. And you know, I think um, you know, three out of those four are going to make it in, probably on on speed. I mean, think Suarez, Reddick, and uh, you know, one of those guys. At least Suarez and Reddick, I think, make it into the All Star race. And yeah, and Eric I mean, Jones. I think the most likely guy to make it in, other than that, and you know, Eric. Eric Jones possibly, but just don't see them uh, getting in. I think they don't run up front enough. I mean, I think the favorite probably is Austin Dillon to win the first stage in in the All-Star Open to get into the main event. Uh, so besides that, I mean, yeah, I think Dillon and Eric, Eric Jones possibly. I mean, maybe Ricky Stenhouse. He's been running fairly well recently as of late. Um, could get in. Uh, but yeah, Daniel Suarez is another, I think another guy that could possibly, uh, get in there. Yeah. Oh, Richard there for, oh, Richard winning one of the stages there to get into the main all-star race. But yeah, I mean, that's what I think, uh, who could advance from the open in, in the all-star. Oh, we get from that to the all-star race itself. Um, I'll give you the floor first, Josh. I don't know if you want to, unless you want to go and put it in the system um otherwise if you want to do that that's fine you let me know and i'll go and do it but um what are you thinking you want to do algorithm on it uh, i think i'll we'll we'll go with our minds here for this okay yeah all right so i'll go to you first yeah so i mean i'm i'm thinking probably i mean it's going to probably be between the chevys and the toyotas i think um if the if it's a ford you know one of the the Panskis. Probably, I mean, maybe Ryan Blaney or something like that. Uh, but you know, I'm gonna go with uh, uh, go with Chase Elliott to win the All Star race, which probably fits. Um, they haven't been second I mean, win yeah. in this race. He won at Bristol yeah, a couple he years. Won at Bristol, yeah, back in 2021 or 2020. Uh, now the nine team hasn't been the best on speedways compared to Kyle Larson or Alex Bowman, but you know, I think he's the you know he's been the best car on points all year uh so far uh so you know points leader winning the all-star race you know fits the bill i think uh but i think the rest of the field you know the stage is uh, i think um 
Kyle Busch probably wins a stage. You know, probably William Byron wins another stage too, and he could also probably win this race as well. Forgot about him for a minute there. Um, and you know, I think another stage probably gets won by Kyle Larson too. So yeah, I think it's you know going to be between Hendrick and Gibbs in the main the main event here uh, with this complicated uh, format that I just found out about not too uh, long ago here on. While you're talking about your picks, I'm trying to read up on how the stages work and stage one. Yeah, winner, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's stage one winner will start on the pole in the final stage as long as he finishes 15th or better in stages two and three. Stage two winner starts in the second in the final stage as long as he finishes 15th or better in stage three. And then you have this pit stop competition and the winner uh, will start fourth as long as he finishes 15th or better in stage three. And then stage three uh, winner starts uh, starts third in the final stage. Um, so obviously a lot of incentives there, but it just makes it um, complicated. Uh, I don't know why does it have to be like this, but then you have the final stage, uh, 50 laps, and then the the start you know order. And then if no natural caution, if a natural caution occurs between laps 15 to 25 of the final stage standard race procedures will be in effect if no natural caution occurs during that time the nascar will call an all-star competition caution why do you have to do this just let them race i don't get it this is like the caution clock all over again from 2016 in the truck series like and we have all this stage just a precursor to stages anyway yeah oh well i mean you know then we had the the segment you know the old well they, they used to call it segment one two and three in in the all-star race when it was at charlotte and um this is just a microcosm of why nascar can't keep fans because like i was watching a video recently on uh, donut media and you know they're talking about why nascar things that are holding nascar from growing you know you have a lot of things going for it like the new car finally and you have all all a lot of other things are detracting from it mainly the points uh system with the stages and um you know the the playoffs and everything things that we could get rid of that overcomplicate things and i don't yeah. understand why i mean this is just a microcosm just if we have an all-star race just have four segments that's fine the lap number you know for each of them is i think is fine i mean the pit stop competition is cool so i mean that's fine but the they other should stuff, have a pit stop competition yeah. outside of this race anyway yeah yeah so there's all that but you know of course um stage well, he'll be on the pole as long as he finishes 15th or better in stages two and three. And then, which I mean, was the, that's the yeah. Chad Canals rule because Jimmy Johnson, I forget how many years ago, won the first stage and then hung back and didn't even bother to run. He ran three quarter throttle in the back. And then that's what that rule is. Oh, you have to finish 15th or better. I'm like, there's 20, there's going to be 24 cars in the field. I guess there is something to that, but. The the fact is, you're going to make Mike Joy have to explain this. You know, Clint Boyer is not going to go yelling it. on the screen and talk over everybody. And then, yeah, um, whoever the third guy is going to be, I don't know who they announced the. Third I don't even know who be. the third person is yeah. this week. And no, I mean, yeah, I'm not even going to be able to see. Yeah, I'm probably going to be able to watch the All Star race. I'm not going to see the Open because I'll be done. I'll probably get out of bowling the 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 tournament by that point but i'll need a drink after that but the point is i need a drink to explain this format i mean you're i mean even the qualifying you have they're gonna have single car qualifying and then the fastest eight will do a 
three-round head-to-head elimination uh, bracket for pit stops, uh, and that'll determine, and then they'll get out of the pit stall, and then they'll go around, and whoever gets back first advances to where they'll qualify that so the final eight will be the top eight will be determined based on pit stops and whatever so yeah and then the prize. that also plays a little bit of award which you know if you can go and get the pole and get out in front you could go and win stage one which would in turn um win you the pole uh for the final 50 lap stage um they should do Honestly, we could go 50, 20, 20, 10, which is what I think they had for many years. Um, they used to have 20, 20, 10 for back in the day of the old Winston, um, which is fine. Um, I don't think we need to have that much racing. In the end, you go and say 20, 20, 10 with no caution laps counting. They'll keep on running. It's the same way as I'm doing stage breaks. If they want to wreck each other, go ahead. Make it a make it a real TV thing. Go and condense into a nice two-hour block uh, from uh, and get it done by like ten o'clock. That's the way they should do it. But you got all these stages and all this bullshit. And yeah, Show I mean, the there's already yeah, and there's so many cars in the field already relative to how many people are actually in the show or like in in general. You already have twenty cars in the show. And there's only 36 cars showing up to this field because there's nobody else that wants to show up because there's no money. So, I mean, what, what are we doing here? It's the same way as doing the race at uh, at the Coliseum. You're just destroying equipment. Uh, in this case, you're destroying equipment at a higher speed relative to a summer where you're not going to have a uh, you're not going to have an off week here for a while. Um, I'm trying to see out of the, just go and bring it up before we get into, um, gotten the all-star race. Yeah. The next, yeah. I mean, they'll have an off week after for father's day weekend, which always used to be Michigan. Um, they always ran Michigan on father's day weekend, but this year they'll have an off week there. And then that's the last off week of the year. It sucks for the people who work on the cars. Um, they're running. They're going to start the race at Nashville at five o'clock in the evening. Guess they're going to put the lights on. All right. Um, yeah. So you made your picks. I'm going to go and make my picks for the All Star race. I mean, I picked a bunch of Chevys there. Going through this field, I'm going to say I'm going to go. I'm going to go with the momentum. I'm going to say Kurt Busch gets the second win in the all-star race here um, at Texas wins back-to-back races. Um, he's got good momentum. He's feeling good. He's won at Kentucky in recent years. He's won at Atlanta in recent years. He's, he just won last week. He, he's figured out stuff on these cookie cutters. Um, I'll say Kurt Busch, uh, my wild card pick I mean, is it really a wild card pick when you're talking about the All Star race? I don't know. Um, my wild card pick is Kevin Harvick because he hasn't won in a long time. Maybe him and Rodney Childers figure something out. They go and throw a dice roll at it for this race, and they put something together, and maybe they they hit on something. And 
Kevin Harvick goes and gets another win in this race. I think he's won this race twice already. So those would be my choices. Um, if it was a Chevy, I mean, Josh mentioned it, the Hendrick cars, all the Hendrick cars are in this race. And if it was going to be a Chevy, personally, I'm not going to go Hendrick. I'd go Ross Chastain because it is the kind of race that would fit him and his aggressiveness. So I'll I'll go Ross Chastain if it was going to be a Chevy. Going into this race, I don't know what, what I did there. I just went and got rid of this right here. And we will move into Josh. Um, let's talk about the Indy 500, your iRacing Indy 500, and um, how it went for you. It went in top five finish. Uh, so let's hear how it all went. Yeah. Um, so we started seventh in the iRacing Indy 500 on Friday night and finished in seventh. So it was or in, in fifth. So. You know, it was um in the top ten for the most part throughout the night, and uh, you know, made my way up into the um, made my way up into the top four early on. We had a couple of crashes uh, to start, you know, start the event. Uh, here, I'm gonna actually just pull up the thing and show you some parts from this uh, the start uh, here. But it was a it's pretty Which wild. Which will actually be on our video feed on yeah. our YouTube channel for Grip Strip Podcast yep. uh, YouTube channel, which Josh, of course, has um, handled and done a great job with. So we'll get to see these clips on there. So if you want to go and see our show on the YouTube page, uh, you can go and see that see some of these clips here. Yeah, let me just pull that up so you can uh, see that. Um um yeah there we go so it's when you go go live all right so that's the the thing there you, you can see i racing indy 500 so you know we um we started off uh here starting the race in in seventh and we going in and taking off uh, let me skip so green flag and immediately into turn one we get into a crash or not us getting into a crash but we have a crash here and I don't know these two guys. I guess collided in the same lane, and you know, yep. So that was pretty pumped that we missed it. Which is what I talked yeah. about that, and uh, yeah, you you were excited because yeah. that's that would your your voice was a little you went a little Tim Kirkchin there because you got through that wreck. So yeah, and I was you know I was always a little bit tense on the first first start of the race. You know the um, lap. You know, when you take off like that, especially for me, I feel more comfortable starting on the outside because you can just hang it on, hang tight on the outside. Whereas the inside, when you're in traffic, you have to let off a little bit because um, of the you know dirty air and stuff. And and it's easier to hold your position on the outside uh, in traffic, I feel like. Uh, so that was definitely a little scary there. And, you know, especially with how things go, sometimes you get taken out. You know, a lot of I was looking on YouTube and a lot of uh big name streamers ended up getting crashed out of this event. Uh, you know, and you know, we managed to finish fifth and, um, there was, so there was about, I want to say there's about a 27 other. So, you know, iRacing holds this race and, you know, there's 33 cars of course in each, each event. And this is, um, you know, the third highest running out of 27 total, uh, sessions of the Indy 500 on Friday night. So, um, you know, I was able to qualify real good. High quality. Yeah. yeah. 
So, I mean, goals ultimately be in the um, top split, of course, but, um, you know, I'll take being in the third highest uh, split out of all 27 uh, groups that were running the Indy 500 race So on Friday night. So, you know, that's um, pretty nice. Um, Still in the top yeah. 100, honestly. Yeah. If you're in the third split, you're yeah. in the top 100. Yeah. So. I think in qualifying, because qualifying, you know, you do your four-lap average. I think qualifying, uh, I was actually, I think, 150th fastest overall, I think. I don't remember, but I'd have to look at that one. But um, definitely is, uh, you know, you take each each group from the, you know, um, each car and put them into the fastest split based on time. So, you know, end up being the third highest one after all of that. So that was that was good. Uh, let me see if I can pull up another part because, yeah, we got to fourth place by about lap 55. Um, but then I think the green flag pit stop after that, I kind of overshot my pit in the middle of it and lost lost some time and ended up falling back to around like ninth, I think, after all those pit stops. So um, definitely could have uh, done a little bit better job on that. Um, that's, you know, definitely a, a tough part of getting in, uh, you know, getting in the pit stop and getting out on time and maintaining track position. Um, but was able to you know, eventually get back up to fifth by the end of the race. Uh, you know, I think as low as fell back to as low as 19th, uh, through the green flag pit stop, uh, periods, but, you know, was able to, you know, get back up there and then, um, you know, just continue to miss wrecks whenever possible. And then the cautions, as far as strategy goes, the cautions fell our way. Uh, you know, didn't really, uh, have to worry about, you know, running out of gas or having to stretch it. Um, every time we had like about like four or five laps left on the pit stop, um, window, uh, there was about two or th three times that the caution came out just when we needed it. So, um, you know, we didn't have to worry about taking a green flag pit stop, uh, in those situations. And then, let me see, I'm going to pull up the about lap 150, uh, here. Uh, so uh where is it yeah you were you were able to run how many laps were you able to run on uh a, a, a tank yeah on, yeah probably on about green. like 28 laps on okay on gas on gas there uh yeah so let me see yeah this was the with with cautions you're able to get to like 32 30 yeah. to 32 but under green flag conditions without having the draft or any of yeah. that stuff you're talking about 28 laps, which is yeah. what would be in the regular Indianapolis 500 that we're going to see here in a couple of weeks time. Yeah. And if you're, you know, if you are in the right fuel mapping mode and you know how to save gas, you can probably extend it out to probably 32 or 33, but, um, let me go back here. So this was about lap 160. So we got 40 laps to go. I'm in eighth place right now. And this car, two cars in front of me, um, this, uh, pink and black car painted like Elio Castroneves' car. Um, just uh, was racing too hard, I feel like, and wasn't letting us go. And I was I was pretty pissed, like, because, like, I think he was slower than um, the group that I was in. And I was just like, you know, screw you. Like, I want to wreck you now because, like, he um, wasn't letting us go, go by. And he kept blocking and stuff. And, you know, I was trying to use the high line there to try to get around, but it didn't have enough momentum. Uh, to get around him there so it took a little while uh and then about later on in this uh let me see uh about a couple laps later um yeah i think this is the lap so this is the other big miss that we had during this uh this race here um coming off turn two uh 
actually it might be the next lap lap 170 yep yep so yeah these two cars i fell back to ninth uh during this exchange but yeah this this guy up here 17 he was blocking all over the place and i mean you can't kind of see it because the arrow screen thing there but he pops out a line hits the wall here and then i miss him there so that was uh definitely yeah there's something funny about about josh about josh driving versus josh on the gsp well because you're yeah. you're you you have you have like the tim kirkjian thing going which is cool which is funny but it's also i mean i get it because you're amped and you're doing your thing like i'm pretty sure i'd go up a couple octaves if i was driving yeah let's go with that yeah so it would be interesting but you have that whole you have that whole Tim Kirkjian when he's going and doing it I be he goes way up here but you don't go yeah oh yeah Spencer I was trying to burger bash from six to eight yeah well there goes that um yeah I'll pass on him I'll try to see if I can find somebody else regarding the Indianapolis 500 um I mean that's to go and finish fifth in a top one of the top splits of the Indianapolis 500 is really good. Um, I wish I had the means to have a, a rig and a setup. I, one day I will. I'm gonna. It, I'm gonna manifest it. The man. I mean, they say you can manifest anything. Well, I'm trying to manifest certain things. That's one of them. Um, to go and race with you, so we can go and do some like whatever enduros or whatever like the bathers 12 hour which took place last weekend kenny habel and his son energy won mercedes team won and he was like going off going nuts um like a doing peter brock references and the like um sun energy won, which sponsored uh clyde when he won his first career race um sponsored the likes of um boris said one of my heroes uh, amongst other people but um yeah uh we've been going pretty good here it's been a long show it'll be one if you watch on our youtube page which i'll let you talk about josh here in more detail uh we've been talking about a lot of things here gotten to some rants which is what makes the gsp uh the gsp uh we're gonna have a good episode or we always have i mean here's the thing we always have good episodes but the fact of the matter is next episode is a typical episode it is a iconic one it's the greatest day in motorsports episode um part what is it part three um here um on uh next week for uh the gsp episode 115 we're going to talk about Monaco Grand Prix. We're going to talk about the Indianapolis 500 and then the Coca-Cola 600. It's going to be a great day. 1,400, just under 1,400 miles of racing in one day. Uh, it's a beautiful thing. Last year, they didn't have the Monaco Grand Prix on there for whatever reason. It's back. So the greatest say motorsports, it's back where it belongs. Uh, it's going to be a beautiful thing. And, uh, Josh and I are going to be talking about it um, after I go and bowl nine games in states. We'll see if I'm functional after that. I mean, I'll be here, but whether my body is here is a whole different story. 
because it's a lot of work to go and bowl that many games, and I'm not a professional bowler. And um, But I might win a lot of money because I'll have a good handicap in that tournament. But um, Well, if you win, you got to be like uh, Pete Weber. Be like, who do you think you are? I am. You know. Yeah, yeah. If, if, I mean, I don't know what winning is. I mean, if we can win teams, it'd be great because my teammates all like to drink, so it'd be great for me. But then they'd probably have to shovel me in my car. Um, like I want to go and do well in singles personally because I'm just going to go like Packy or Kyle Troop, throw urethane and and call it a day. But then who knows? Um, you know, between singles and doubles and be tough. My boy Will has had two shots at it and had and he's way better bowler than I'll ever be. Um, he's had his struggles. So, um, I'm keeping my, you know, I'm keeping things low for this weekend. I have to go and work the day before. And, um, I don't know if I'm going to get any, I'm going to get the pre bowl there here a few days from now, but that's for the league that I'm bowling in, um, at majestic for the States. Um, it'd be nice if I can go and get people that bowl to go and listen, but then they wouldn't want to listen to like 99% of the show. They don't only want to listen to 1% that we talk about bowling, but um, it is what it is. We're having fun. Uh, we're just talking. We're friends. We're just chilling, talking about motorsports, talking about what um, what's fun, what makes us happy here um, on the Grip Strip Podcast. I'm going to go and log into this so I can go and do a proper um, tell you where you can go and find us, but... Josh, um, where can we find you and where can we find that stream of the iRacing Indy 500? Yeah, of course. Um, you know, you can always find me, JP Huffine, on Twitter. That's where you know, all my handles are, JP Huffine, on most platforms. Um, and then, of course, um, the uh, Twitch streams, of course, uh, twitch.tv slash usailor2, and go in there and Watch the you know the Indy 500 stream will be there for a while, so go and check that one out. Um, see the racing that I did, and um, be able to watch uh, all of it or some of it wherever you know. See the highlights, see the contrast between the calm, cool, and collected version of myself versus the one that you know when you go behind the wheel, you know, get evoke uh, other emotions that come out. I guess um, you know it's um, I don't know. I I feel like I I probably like evoke a little bit of dale jr maybe a little bit of tony stewart you know um there and then there are other parts where maybe it's more like jimmy johnson or uh you know kyle larson or jeff gordon or something like that so that's how it is um there and um i mean i don't really know a lot of the indycar how they sound like drivers how they sound like on the radio because all my all my quotes and references are from years of listening to nascar drivers on on the radio and stuff but uh you know it's kind of i guess how you know, you listen to people how they how they talk, and then you end up talking like them behind the wheel, I guess, on the sim racing thing. But there's that, and then uh, of course the YouTube channel, which we're you know, uh, uh, it's a new deal that we're trying to uh, expand uh, onto. And of course, you can uh, watch that on uh, the YouTube channel, which is uh, the Grip Strip Podcast. And of course, we've had all our episodes on there since uh, about. Uh, the end of February that we've had on there. So, you know, go on there, like the video, comment, give feedback and uh, talk to us. And then 
of course, subscribe and put on those post notifications. So when we put up the videos, um, which usually they're try to have them out on Wednesday, uh, Wednesday mornings or, uh, by the end of, uh, the day on Wednesday, you can get the post notification, uh, saying that we've posted and you can go and watch and see in video format or just have the video up and listen while you're doing other tasks or whatever. So go there, subscribe. And then of course, you know, if you're, I mean, We'll extend it out to the other platforms, and I'll let you talk about that. But, you know, go on Apple Podcasts, give us a review, go on Spotify, and listen to us on there so that we can continue to, um, you know, grow and everything. So uh, that's that's what I got. You know, of course, uh, you know, again, subscribe to the podcast on YouTube. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely go on our YouTube page. You can go and look at our mugs talking about all of this if you want to do that. Um, if I mean, it definitely is good listening just go and chill do your thing relax whether you're at work want to go and listen to racing information go and listen to people talk about it it's the way to do it it's a good it's it's a good work podcast honestly that's what we've we have a niche we have multiple niche areas i think one of them is if you're at work you hate what you're doing just go and listen to us we'll go and get you through it we'll get you to lunch We'll get you to the end of the day and you'll get plenty of information so you can go and get people uh, when you go and talk about the weekend when you get to go and relax and have a couple of beverages or whatever the hell you do. You can find us. uh, You can find me at Grips or at Philip G. Matthew on Twitter. You can find us at Gripstrip Pod on Twitter. Uh, Josh already mentioned um, his Twitter handle. We're on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, Podbean, Pandora, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Verbal. Uh, we are on a couple other things as well. Uh, we just um, got approved for Podchaser and um, Samsung Podcasts as well. So basically... I always say this, anywhere you can find a podcast, you can find the Grip Podcast. 114 episodes in. Going to do episode 115. Going to have two guests on next week. So you want to go and tune in. Two people that have been on this show before. So we're going to have a little round table talking about, got a little history, got a little um, stuff going on current, past and present, like we had this episode but we definitely are going to have a little, a little bit more here next week on the Gripsford Podcast. So uh, for Josh, I'm Phil. Thank you for listening. Go and like, subscribe, follow, whatever. Go and let us know what you want to hear, what you want to see, and we'll go and bring it here because we got some good people coming on uh, during the summer and the rest of this year. Uh, but we want to have... We want that feedback so we know what we need to really do. Got some other people on. Uh, Thanks, Josh, as always, for having my back, being my boy, having that energy, especially behind the wheel, which is cool, which is kind of the whole, you know, you have the different personalities behind the wheel and the thing. It's kind of the whole Dale Earnhardt Jr. thing because you kind of have that Dale Earnhardt. That's the other thing. You kind of sound like Dale Earnhardt Jr., too so it it makes sense since you're a Dale Earnhardt Jr. guy um so we'll see what he does we, you do uh probably have a Coca-Cola 600 kind of deal or not not a 600 mile race but 87 car kind of deal there we'll see what you do with that 
Um, thanks as always being my right hand man, being the YouTube uh, EP and putting us out there and um, for being just being you being a cool dude and for making this show the way it is. Uh, we thank you for listening to Gripster Podcast. We'll be back next week with some guests and have some fun. Greatest stay in motorsports edition of the Gripster Podcast. Might have three guests on it. We could have three guests. I have people I want to come on. We can make it happen. Uh, listen in next week, Gripster Podcast. Take care. Goodbye.